Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Uh, this is from Page in the Mirror this morning. Has the death of Owen McCarthy, 22-year-old young Cork man um, who was the young rally driver who died in that tragic crash. He had a passion for his sport, according to the paper. He wanted to follow in the footsteps of his dad and he was competing in his Honda Civic. He went off the road during the Killarney Forest Race in County Kerry. Uh, his dad, Liam, actually won a number of top rallies in the past and uh, his son was hooked on the sport. He was such a well-loved lad, not obviously by his entire family, but the whole community loved him. He was known all over West Cork and a great talent. Young rally driver, Death Horror, is a front pager making the mirror today. Uh, another story that dominates many of the newspapers, the Red Tops, the Echo and indeed the Examiner, is the sentencing of 76-year-old former scout leader Michael Noel Sheehan. Yes, he has been named uh, in court. He's been sentenced to one year in jail for indecently assaulting a 30-year-old boy, 13-year-old Boy Scout in the 1980s. And the papers have it today as a court report from Liam Healan making the echo um, where he uh, goes into detail about the sentence and about the case. Judge Helen Boyle imposed a sentence of two years and then suspended the second year. Uh, it was one incident, she said. Um, she said it wasn't a case of continuing con- coercive control over a long period. Um, that's, that's what the judge said. He had a position of authority over young boys who were allowed by their parents to go away with them. Uh, the parents of those children trusted the likes of uh, Sheehan uh, to look, look after them, and he did not. Um, mind you, um, the um, impact statement by the young man himself was powerful in court, of course, and that had to be taken into consideration by the judge. But that young man's life was changed in ways he didn't think possible. Uh, he often felt isolated as if he was looking in on the world from the outside. Now, the defence barrister in this case said uh, that the accused, as in Sheehan, uh, continued to express his innocence and does not accept the verdict of the jury. I may well come back to this a little later on this morning, particularly if, if you have an opinion on it. But uh, the scouts have come out now and Scouting Ireland have said uh, that um, they, the safety of young people is paramount for Scouting Ireland. And anyone with any information or who has been the victim of abuse while in scouting has been asked to come forward and speak to the authorities. In fact, they even have a Scouting Ireland helpline, which is one eight hundred number two two one one nine nine. So they're saying that with regards to the scouts, or time in the scouts is never too late to come forward. So I may well return to that story. Uh, some people are somewhat critical of the one year sentence. Uh, some more on that later this morning. Um, as people continue to struggle, uh, there's research in the Examiner this morning that drills into how people are struggling, where many, many families fear they won't be able to feed their children uh, as rising costs make it harder to put food on the table. And they give examples of what families are doing. The biggest example is the families that are skipping meals or reducing portion size so the family and children actually have enough to eat. And then there's more who are unable to um, to afford a main meal that they might have been able to afford last year, two years ago, five years ago, which would have meat or vegetables, um, um, you know, or indeed picking the food that they would even like to eat. And then apparently some children are feeling shame or anxiety 
for the food that they actually consume in the sense that they know that there's probably shortages. And then there's an amount of families who say that they usually, they regularly use food banks. So that's how families are struggling to feed their children these days. Of course, um, you know, a lot of issues uh, evolve around whether or not you put food on the table or you turn the heating on or you've got hot water or well, you can pay your bills. And one of them has to do with the price of petrol and diesel and what have you. And it's just gone absolutely nuts. And, you know, Ukraine does not help matters in any way, shape or form. But it's an interesting story uh, in The Independent this morning of a fellow who's replaced his fleet of cars with electric cars. He says it was costing him €125 Euro to fill a van with diesel. Now it's only costing €20 because they're electric. And I'm assuming, it's a story out of Galway actually, I'm assuming he doesn't have any problems with with range anxiety. But Putin makes many of the newspapers because he has gone in to two regions in Ukraine now and recognised two rebel republics, the uh, areas of, of Lugansk, the People's Republic of Lugansk and the People's Republic of Donetsk. So um, he, in spite of everything that the Russians were telling us, every single story that was making national news and international news and the BBC, that the Russians were never going to cross the border into Ukraine. What have they just come and done? Cross the border into Ukraine. People who are crossing borders, of course, you know what I'm talking about, Golfgate. It continues to make the papers. While nobody was found guilty of anything and all of the charges against them were all dismissed, um, we now have the latest update and twist in the road on this one, and that's Phil Hogan, who's taken aim at the Taoiseach, who says that he was treated like a criminal since Golfgate erupted, and he said um, that he may well sue over Golfgate. So that's on the front of this morning's Indo. The ex-commissioner wants Veradkar and Martin to address the dismissal of charges and say something about the fact that nobody was actually prosecuted over anything. And he said he could go all the way now looking for a compensation from the EU Commission over the fact that he had to resign from his EU post. That's an interesting one. Hogan may sue over, over Golfgate. And he has law behind him on that one, incidentally, doesn't he, when you think of it? And of course, we've all got a lot to look forward to next Monday, and it, we're reminded of it in the examiner today. It means that next Monday will mean the end of mask wearing. Well, you can still wear masks if you want, but it'll be voluntary. But you won't have to in retail, public transport, school settings, learning settings, you know, primary, secondary schools, The physical distancing measures will all go. Pods will go. It will all come to an end. So that's for next Monday. At the same time, they hope to try and drill into unacceptable waiting times within our hospitals. And they're making a pledge at the HSE saying that no patient will have to wait more than a year for a hospital procedure by the end of 2022. It's one thing making the pledge. It's another delivering on it. A little later on this morning, I'm going to come back to remote working. You know, people who are not necessarily working from home but I might touch on that as well. But certainly those that might well be using hubs. The government's come up with like 200 remote working hubs now across the country. They're spending 100 million on them. Others then are private and they can vary in costs. They really can from um, 35 euro a day in one of them. It's a hot desk where you literally get the desk for the day. 35 euro a day in one, actually 35 euro and one cent. I don't know what the one cent is about. Down to five euro and one cent uh, for digital hot desks and hubs in Leitrim. So there's big differences in prices. I hope to drill into that a little later and understand exactly what they're all about with the Republic of Work. Papers also say that one of the most iconic photographs ever taken, and that was Buzz Aldrin posing. Neil Armstrong had the camera 
and Buzz Aldrin was on the moon with him and he posed for a photograph on the moon back in 1969. That photograph's going up for auction now and they figure that it could make 14,500 euro. I'd say it'll go for much higher than that for anybody that's a space nut. If there's any kind of two or three different people bidding for that, it could go an awful lot more north of uh, of 14,500 grand. But if you didn't know it... The things they research are just insane. But if you didn't know it, they're saying now that people who drink black coffee are psychopaths. What if I got in front of me a black coffee? I'm a psychopath and I never knew it. It's great to know. Anyway, lines are open. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. But can I just say, today is an extraordinary day. It really is an extraordinary day. Look at the date. It's the 22nd of the second 22. So it's 22222. And tonight, at 22 minutes past 10, it'll be 22222222. I'm wearing a 22 on the 22222. Anyway, I don't know how significant that is, but we'll find out with the numerologist later on if you're into numbers or dates. And also, apparently, the numerologist will tell you that the day you were born and the time you were born and the dates you were born are very significant to your life path. All that and lots more besides. The Neil Prenderville Show. Let's get stuck in. Wayne, good morning. How are you, mate? I'm good, pal, <clears throat> and thanks for getting in touch with me over the weekend. But more to the point, how are you doing? How's the rehab going? Uh, good now. Well, I'm only out about a week, most of the 15th of February. Yeah, but I mean, you did um, you did a number of months. You did six months, didn't you? Six months inside there, yeah. Where were you? Uh, I was up in the Remar Recovery Home in Tipperary. Okay, was it tough? Oh, it was tough, yeah. I had no visits or nothing with the kids, and it was all uh, WhatsApp. That was it. Yeah. Would, it, would would there normally be visits from time to time on weekends and things? Uh, there should have been all the time, yeah, but I think it was over the COVID. Yeah, I know. So it was extra so, tough. It was extra tough. Um, listen, thanks for yeah. getting in touch, and I'll talk about the housing situation in a minute. But is it okay if I just drill into your backstory, going back to when you were in your in your early teens? Yeah, yeah. What happened? What happened? Um, I started taking drugs when I was about 15, so like smoking weed and drinking and like that led to coke, so and then uh, my dad was after passing away eight years ago and I kind of went heavier on the coke. Were you close to your dad? Yeah, uh, very close there. Yeah, I know, it hit your heart. But back when you were 14 or 15, this was, you were clearly in school at the time, right? Yeah. And how old are you now? Yeah. 28, 29? 29. Right. And were you, were you going to school every day? Yeah, I was, yeah. I was going to school every day, yeah. Were you, when were you living on the north side, was it? Yeah, I live in Lachlan, yeah. Did you quit school then or just move through it and finish school and get a job? I finished it, yeah. Got a job. I started in the Morsi first and then, you know, I ended up being a chef. And I was cooking constantly, and I was just in drugs all the time, so took a lot of it, you know. You what? I was in drugs, took a lot of it. I oh, know, it's not a great phone line, Wayne. Maybe no. if you just move around a little bit. So, as time went on, um, the drinking got heavier, the cocaine got used got more regular, is it? You started using more. Yeah. It's quite easy it's to okay. get, I'm told, yeah? It is, yeah, uh, very easy. It's all over the place. Yeah. And how how much were you spending on it? 
week, about three, four hundred euro. Mother of God, that's an awful lot of money, isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh, gone. So, so if you're spending uh, three, four hundred a week on, is that cocaine and alcohol? That's cocaine, yeah. Just cocaine alone. Mother of, So you were just working, so, you were just working to feed the habit. Working to feed the habit, constantly, yeah. Oh my God! And how like like how did you pay bills? Put a roof over your head, eat food, things like that. See, I was, I was living with my nan for nine years. Yeah. So and paying the rent there, and since paying rent now, she can't uh, accept me back. Oh yeah, okay. I get I get to that in a few minutes' time. But so three to four hundred a week on, on cocaine. What effect was it having on you? Oh, a heavy effect. Just like um, trying to give money to the kids in and the whole. I don't know. It was kind of one way back. Barely given the the fifty euro to to my girlfriend, like. Yeah, you were more inclined to want to keep that for cocaine. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that would get you down, actually, knowing that you were doing the wrong thing there. I'd say as well as everything. But you were mentioning paranoia and suicidal thoughts. It got that bad, did it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, paranoia is like uh, it's all. It comes with hope, like you know. In what way? Like when you're neglecting it, like you know. Constantly on this, your head to be twisted. To be thinking, oh, listen, heart. So, <clears throat> but the, was there any upside to it? Like, there must have been kind of positive feelings of elation, or like, you know, it's all good at the start. And then, so how does it change? You're taking more, more, and more, and then your head just goes like so. And people notice that about you, did they? No, people wouldn't notice at all. Like, so it happened to a lot of people. I have a lot of friends and things that happened to them. So, it's not good. Yeah, it's just that I, I had heard in the past that sometimes you would know if somebody was on cocaine because they're just wired, you know, they're full of energy. They're just, they're like the like the Duracell bunny, no? Yeah, that's, that's the way it is. Uh. Yeah. And did you try to quit? I tried, I tried uh, last Christmas. I was off for seven, seven weeks and I ended up Relapse and then I went to um, it was a wedding, it was the first of January, and I relapsed then. What, what goes your he- through your head? The era I'll just have one. I'm fine now. I've beaten. Is it? What is this? Why did you decide to have do a line? Was it because you thought you had it beaten and you could handle it? Is it? Yeah. Well, that was that was it exactly. Yeah. And before you know uh, it, you're just back on the. You're just back into the. Into the crazy world like of... Like the roller coaster again, the roller coaster. No way off yeah, it, so. Yeah, and did you manage to hold down the job? Yeah, I was chefing all the time, like, and I... And then, you know, there's, there's more coke inside the kitchens out than what you get out It's everywhere, place. it's everywhere, man. It's not just... It's not just the kitchens or restaurants, it's... Everywhere. All over it, yeah. 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 And getting worse. Do you ever get into debt? Yeah. Do you ever get into debt? Yeah, I only paid off a few debts there. Well, there's my mother that paid us. So when I was in treatment and all that, so I wouldn't be expecting her to do that again, like so. She had to pay your drug debts? Yeah. You're not alone there either, because a lot of the time, yeah. those that are owed the money threaten family members, don't they? They do, yeah. 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 But they're, they're no threats, they've just been nice to all us and just getting it, getting it clear. Was it a lot of money? Well, really, it was only, well, that would have been like three grand. Three? No. Yeah, it's enough, yeah. isn't it? But, uh, does that make you feel very guilty, though, like, does it? It do, yeah. Like, that could have went into 
something else, you know, kids and all that. Sure, I know, I know. I know. But it's what you do from now on is what matters, isn't it? Oh, yeah, stay positive, like, yeah. Yeah. All right, okay. I know you got in touch with me because um, there, you know, like many, many people, you, you've come out of treatment now after six months, uh, came back to Cork, I think, maybe in the last week or two. Yeah. Okay. You had you had somewhere to stay. I won't drill into that if you don't mind. But you can't go back there yeah. because they want to they want to see first if you won't relapse. Isn't that it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. But your your kids are with your partner. Yeah, they're um, they caught on drive, doesn't? Yeah. Okay. But um, they're inside the small box room with her sister, her and the two kids. My youngest fellas inside play playpen still and the oldest fellas is six so that's man and he's very hard to breathe up there so one lad is five does he sleep in the playpen he sleeps in the playpen yeah because there's nowhere else there's no bed or couch available there is a there's a couch for the house is uh, overcrowded you know yeah no that's what I mean the, all of that is already being used up yeah so you're split up so, and you you're you were in touch with me because you wanted to get your family together again as one unit yeah. Yeah. And what have you done to try? Have you have you are you on a housing list? I'm on a housing list last six years. But we're fighting every day, like even in treatment by the manager writing in letters and all that. Then that I would have nowhere to stay if I left, and it was nothing back to us, nothing at all. Like. Yeah, that's the thing about treatment. A lot of the time, you do it, it works. You come out, you feel great about yourself. You have nowhere to go, and you have no help. And then you start getting down on yourself again. Though. You get down on yourself, and then before you know it, you're using again, isn't it? Yeah, but I'm going to stay positive on this time. You know, even if you don't get a house, like, I know there's a lot of other people out there looking for houses and things like that. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. everyone deserves an opportunity. Yeah, you absolutely do. Like, like you you certainly do, and your kids do. You're, you're, is there yeah. a boy and a girl? I think it's a boy and a girl, is it? Two boys. Two boys, five and six, yeah. 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 Do you get happy at all yeah. or anything like that? Yeah, I got to accept the app, right? Like, try to find the places, the things, you know? Are you looking for places? Are you on daft? Are you searching? On daft. Bidding every day, the whole of yeah. Do you ever get a call or do you ever get a viewing? Not, we got viewings, all right, because people were taking them, and then, like, it was only one or two viewings we got in all them years, you know? But uh, we never got a call for the homes recently. So it's been a while since, since you even got to get the, see the inside of a, an apartment or a house? Yeah. And if you did, then you'd be talking about anywhere between 12 and 14, 1500 euro, I guess. Easy, yeah. 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 And are you back working again? Um, I I could be back working now next Wednesday. I might go back to the bad place there. I'm walking up as a glen. I think you should go, go back straight to back to work, Wayne, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah I go back into work, all right. Yeah, I was trying to find my feet. It's very important for the oh. head, like, to hold down a job. Yeah. You'll also have that. to kind of stay away from a lot of the people that you hung out with in the past as well, right? Oh, yeah, that's what I know, no, just sticking to the gym, no, and uh, my meetings and all that. And what keeps you focused? Not wanting to go back to the horror of your life? Um, yeah, when I think back at that, like, and, oh, I just look at my kids and... I was type 1 diabetic and I got warns in the hospital already and if I come to the hospital again they can't guarantee they're going to walk back out of it. And is that damage from so, drugs? Uh, I was born with diabetes but I didn't catch it until I was 22. But I think the but drinking I, a lot of damage. I think the drinking did damage to your liver, did it? 
So you need to stay on the right path now because you don't want to go back to the life that you had before. You don't want to be owing money to drug dealers. You don't want to be um, addicted to cocaine, you know, paranoid, suicidal, heavy drinking. That's a bad place no. to be. Who wants to go back there? Oh, no one. No one at all. But if you could get what, like a three bed somewhere, is it? Uh, even a two bedroom, anything. So that would mean no. that you would be with your, your two sons and your partner because at the moment she's probably couch, couch surfing somewhere else as well, is she? Yeah, she's she's up now. Her mum's always now in the back room with the four of my two kids. Her sister, her sister trying to uh, leave us up there when she can. Oh, sure. Over two kids, you know. It's a nightmare. And you wouldn't be classed as homeless, you sure, wouldn't. They won't let me take my name off the rent because I have nowhere to go. They were saying, and so I wanted to put my name down for the homeless. So I went in everything about it, but they said I have a a pay rent already. But uh, what's the point if I can't? You're, but you're paying up. rent to a family, uh, a family member's home, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not actually your residence as such. You pay rent no. there. Yeah. You're on the rent book. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm paying rent to my nando's and I'm sleeping on my mother's chair. So. Oh. Listen, um, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to share your story. I don't know what will come out of it with regards to what might be available out there or who might be listening, but you'd never know, you know? Yeah, exactly. Some might be some landlord listening. There might be some landlord listening who might think, okay, I want to give this guy a break. He's come through rehab. He's come through the treatment. He deserves a break, you know? I'd get get back to work if I were you. It's good for the head. Oh, yeah. I was only texting the fellow last night, and so next Wednesday, you go back to work. Detectives, so. they're crying out for chefs, like. Yeah, you get chefs all over place, but I won't go back to like a four-star hotel anymore. Chefing was too it's too much. Why is it too tough? Yeah, it's, it's mad, like you know. But three hundred people there, sorry, like. I know, I know. Why do you th- why do you think drugs have got such a grip with people younger and younger? I mean, you were fourteen when you started. Did you start with drink, was it? I started with weed and then it would let to drink. And then, like, you know, taking the oaks and the whole of all for the years. And, yeah. 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 And cork was my main addiction, really. And you, never, you never touched the heroin, no? No, I never touched heroin, no. Well, that's something, anyway, at least. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's getting worse. So, I wish to God, you know, I don't know why young people think that it's. Um, that it's such a cool thing. You don't mind people, you know, I mean, I know young people have a drink and what have you, and what can you do about that? But moving on to, you know, the likes of cocaine or tablets, amphetamines, um, horse tranquilizers, heroin. Sure, that's just a, that's a, yeah. that, that's a dead end, like. Trust me, a fag leads to everything, so it's a gate to everything. Which? So, uh, a cigarette. Do you think? So, yeah, I think it is, isn't it, yeah. You start smoking fags when you're young and then you're smoking weed and then you want to drink. You just walk your way up. So I see. that me in it. Yeah, well, that's your story. That's your life story. Yeah. Okay. Listen, um, let's see what happens. You never know who might be listening that may be able to help. Um, it's tough out there trying to find a home at the moment. It's been tough for a long time and getting tougher. But if I hear of anything, I'll come back to you. Is that all right with you? Yeah. We went to someone there right there. there but uh, she wanted... Two months rent and a deposit, but uh, 
we were trying to get it and whatever. And, uh, and what was the rent? Got a text back. It was a fifteen hundred a month. So, so what was the deposit? Four grand. Four grand. Is that and, is uh, that the latest caper now? They want two months up front and and a deposit. It came back saying that it was a um, what was it um, a scam. Oh. Came back saying it was a scam. So if you paid it, we would have been fleeced, you know. And what were you being asked? Were you being asked to send the money before you even saw the house? That's the, that's the, the way they were asking, yeah. Yeah, but you knew that was a scam, yeah. did you? I know straight away, yeah, so yeah. you can ask for two months rent. And, and uh, they probably uh, sent you photographs, you saw photographs of this magnificent place. Yeah. Yeah, Dublin Tornos Cross. Yeah, scam. Yeah. Total scam, and utter yeah. scam. Yeah. Thank God you didn't do that. I'll stop bad enough losing enough money on drugs in winter. That's and right. Yeah. Scams, you know? yeah, I know. I know. That would have been a low blow. All right, Wayne, listen, hang in there and good luck to you on your journey, all right? Yeah, no worries. Happy to chat with you. If I get anything back, we'll come back to you again, right? Yeah. It's a good Would you send me a few emails to me? Well, I said you on what? A few emails into the city hall for me. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we can do that at midday and it might make a difference. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. let, let's, let's see what happens. What, what do they say yeah. to you? You're not on the, you're not on the reg, you're not on the housing list. Well, yeah, well, I'm on the housing list anyway, like, so I was Oh, you are on it now? I, I am six years, like, with, okay. with the family. All right. Okay, happy to do that. You never know what kind of, maybe it might make a difference. Let's see, all right? Yeah, no, well, thanks very much, Gene. All right, Wayne, thanks for getting in touch over the weekend. Look after yourself. Good luck. Text 0868104106. You never know who might be listening. It might give that young man a break. Hopefully. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Uh, you've been discussing the housing crisis recently on your show and I really feel the need to contact you as I have nowhere else to turn. I've been living with my three children in my parents' home for five and a half years where the four of us share one bedroom, herself and her three children. I've applied for hundreds of houses, but as I am a nursing student, I don't have a very high income. I'm entitled to HAP. Once these words are out of my mouth, I can see the look I've been given every single time by estate agents. How do I intend paying my rent? Uh, They do not want HAP tenants. It's as simple as that. I've been advised by TDs to lie on my application when applying for rentals. Don't say that you have kids. Don't say you are a student, bearing in mind that this country needs nurses and I'm working hard so I can give back to the most vulnerable in society. Um, Say I work... Um, well, I do work 36 hours a week, but I get a total of 15 euro as a student nurse. Say you work. Uh, say you pay childcare. Um, I don't nor ever expected anything to be handed to me. I've been relentless in contacting the council. I've gone so far as to contact environmental health and ask them to come out and see how my kids and I are living. I mean, my son is at puberty age and he shares a room with his sisters and his mum. Another TD recently told me to pack the kids up and go to Edel House. Spend 12 to 18 months in there and you'll be housed quicker. Go through Edel House. These are the tips that are given. Can you imagine the effect this is having on all of us? I'm by no means saying that I should be more entitled than anyone, but I'm just as worthy as anyone. People in my area are being housed and even transferred. and My children and I are living the way we are. A housing rep from the council told me just Friday gone to contact homeless services, that there's nothing the council can do. How can our government live so eloquently on massive uh, salaries when the people of the country and I live like this? I rented for years happily with the kids. Um, I never in my wildest dreams imagined that this was how I would mould my children for their future. I'm at the edge of the cliff 
and no one, and uh, it is one of the worst feelings in the world. Nowhere to turn. It is exhausting. Um, it is a basic human right to be able to provide a home for your family. I'll sign off now because I'm getting way too emotional. Uh, kind regards, an exhausted mum. There is one word in that, actually, which is sense of entitlement. Um, she says, I am by no means saying that I'm more entitled than anyone. I think the word entitlement is a word that Conrad would like to pick up on. Conrad, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm good, and, and thanks for getting in touch. Um, rather than just read out your, your email, I thought I'd just give you a bell instead. Um, just pick up mm. on, on, on the points that you wanted to make. Yeah, so, I mean, I I did a big long text. I sent a few emails. What I'll do is I'll, in reply to the message just read out about the nurse. There you go, yeah, yeah. It's very, very much so, what, I, what I'm saying is a perspective. It encapsulates so much of what we're, the, the nursing, the healthcare system, the housing crisis. It's, it's around and round, and it's very easy to point at the government, and then it's the guy next door, and then it's okay, the guy next door, he had social issues. He was led down a path, we can't blame him, and it's very hard to nail down what it is, how we can resolve the situation. So you're bringing in Wayne's story of addiction issues and now looking for somewhere to live as well, yeah, okay, alright. Yes, so I, I suppose for me, I'm hearing a lot of similarities, we're just being led around and round in circles, so I'm not blaming anyone, I'm blaming a system altogether. Um, so the, the girl is a nurse, she's uh, had to lie to try and get a house basically because she isn't being... One, the housing crisis is there. There's under pressure to get... So you have TDs now telling mothers, lie that you have children. Lie that you're on HAP, you know. Lie about the fact that you're a student nurse. Tell them you have a full-time job. Exactly. And, I mean, when it comes to a contract, I don't know, do you want to be lying because if something goes wrong, you're you're, you're definitely not going to... You're not going to get away with that. They're going to look for pay slips and they're going to look for... They look for bank account details now, for God's sake. Exactly. Um, so I suppose the ultimate thing then is the, the the lady isn't being paid enough to, because she has to lie, she isn't being paid enough to get the house she wants. Um, and that comes down to, which is the statistical and historical fact, that when you look at the studies throughout all the world, if institutions are run by the government, it's ultimately inefficient. Um, because the goal is to cut costs is not to make continuous improvement. So if you look at a model like Dubai, which is an extreme model, but they know what they're doing, um, it's all private hospitals, which we kind of get our back up about. But if you pay, if we if we make, and this is per, down to personal choices, down to everyone listening to my voice right now, if we pay for our healthcare initially, for our own healthcare, it also, when the time comes that we need it, it's right there in front of us. It's an outstanding service. The people being paid are being paid well because we've prioritised their own health care. Yeah, but people can't afford it. You know, people are on the bread line. Yeah, I, I understand. Um, and in, for, for a lot of people, I'm sure this is not the case. Um, but ultimately, it is, I believe, down to personal choices. Now, I'm sure that nurse isn't out spending her money on um, luxuries such as going to the pub, this, that or the other thing. Um, but for a lot of people, it is we need to make we need to put our health first, um, so that in, when the t- we need to pay for our health care first, you, find some way to do it. I, I can't I, I can't look at everyone's individual circumstances. But you but you kind of do. You say the government needs to stop incentivizing poor life choices by giving mm-hmm. and making everything in this country free, rewarding mm-hmm. single mothers who have babies. You destroy the mm-hmm. family structure 
babies grow up without fathers. Um, mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing you're saying. It's 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 kind of bordering on cruel. It is, I, I, and that's the view. And in, in my text, I said that. It you also said cr- that uh, this also applies to free money for job seekers. You reward people. Yeah. If you so, reward people with the dole for doing nothing, that's what you'll get in return. Yes, I, ultimately it comes down to um, you, you get what you reward. It's a, this is what the studies kind of show. It is cruel. I, and I said that in the text. That's, I'm only re- revealing what the studies show. Um, I'd love to not have this opinion, but ultimately, the more the more we go along with this, the the worse it gets. Um, and I'd like I'd love Neil, I'd love to come away from this, and I, I'll think about what you just said there. But I've already half considered it. I'd love to come away from this with something to think about that I can learn and adapt and come come up with more of a solution towards the problem. But um, the the ultimate thing is the the more we go along with. Just having the government run the hospitals the whole time, the more the nurses don't get paid, and the longer the trolley line is going to be when we get there. Whereas, if we go, if we if we go towards the privatized method of capitalism, the service ultimately. So you're saying we better. shouldn't have a public health system, and we shouldn't we we shouldn't rely solely upon it simply because the results are worse in the study. But what about people then who are poor or don't have a job or work minimum wage? You say that we have underpaid, unappreciated staff. How can they yeah. then afford in, the, in an emergency to get hospital care that they can't afford for themselves or a child if, it's not, if there isn't public health? Um, so who, I suppose then you're left with uh, certain options and maybe you can help me with this. So who do you think should pay for it? Where do you think the money should come from? Taxation. Taxation, so the government should pay for it. I think that we should have a health system that um, um, is efficient, fast, and does a good job. We cl- we clearly don't have that, and we haven't had it for a long time, if ever. Um, mm. But I don't. I think pr- I think privatizing healthcare um, would put it beyond the realms of many many people, or beyond the reach of many people. Okay, so you have government, you have uh, business, and then what lies in the middle? Would you think? I don't know anything about that, but I don't think that the, I don't think that the health of the nation should be a private business. Um, I think it, that it, option it, should be there for people who can afford it, but for the general population who can't, or are living from day to day, week to week, or just trying to keep it together. Um, and then you have other people then who you say are on the dole or, or single mothers with children. I mean, mm. wh- why would you criticise a single parent? Um, I didn't. What I said was, don't blame the people, blame the system, and I made that clear in the text. And um, wh- ultimately, what? Well, no, you do was, say you reward single. We reward single mothers for having babies and destroy the family structure. How? Um, by pay, by paying more and more towards the behaviour which will result with, which will result in single mothers having more babies, which means that we then have to provide more houses for the mothers that have okay. babies. And is that bad behaviour that leads to single girls having babies, do you think? Um, well, the outcome for the the girls, it's up to themselves, or for the, to, for the women having it, well, they could have perfectly happy, happy lives, but ultimately it leads to other people having to pay for it. Um, and if you, grow up in a, if you grow up and the surrounding people around you are doing that, there's, there's a very high chance you're going to do the same thing. Um, we're human. We're just going. We're just going to go with, with what's going on around us. So would it be a case then that single mothers who have a baby or babies, 
where they were in a relationship or the relationship breaks down or the dad does a legger that they're mm-hmm. to be told, sorry, paddle your own canoe, we're not going to help you? Um, no, well, you have to mediate between the two. So, the, so between the government, between the privatisation, in the middle is the community. And I think that's what we've lost. If you ask any of the elderly in our community these days, it's that there is no community anymore. If we make a jump now, this is why the government doesn't do it, is because if we make a jump now from government to privatisation, everything is lost all of a sudden. You want everything that's free to have a cost. That would be healthcare. Um, Where would you be on benefits then for somebody on the... You'd clearly have a problem with somebody on long-term dole or long-term job seekers. um, You cut, cut them off. Um, no, no, no! Don't cut them up. Be the mediator in between. In, in between, the privatisation is ultimately the better model. But it is, it's an it's an egg stre- it's an egg stream jump from where we are now. So you can't do it because we all drown because we've become too reliant on the governmental vote. But in the middle, see, you actually you actually made me think about this a bit more now. So no, because you. you've said you've said <laughs> what you've said about single mothers, and you've also said yeah. that rewarding people with the dole for doing nothing—that's what you'll get in return. Nothing. Um, yeah. So you think that if there was, if that job seekers, somebody should have to do something for job seekers. I mean, that's not, that's not a bad suggestion, incidentally, that, you know, if you're on job seekers, you have to do some kind of work. I, I kind of get that if that's what you're saying. Yeah. So, and, uh, so, is, so are, are we in agreement or is there a question? Sorry. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just saying, is that what you're saying? When you, like, we, we have a society where ev- everybody feels entitled to everything for nothing. And that's just a dead end. That's a model that's broken. Yeah, I mean, it just gets worse. And the studies have shown this. If you look at America, it's the same thing that happened. Um, there's a direct correlation between social welfare. And uh, when they gave it to the African-American society in America, the studies showed it. It's not my opinion. Just look it up. Um, there's a direct correlation between social welfare and f- uh, for the members of the African-American community for, in terms of not having jobs and in terms of being single mothers. To the degradation. But sure, like, I mean, that's just a wild thing to say. Like, why don't you tell me about a study of white Caucasians? Why don't you tell me a study about Hispanics? Um, well, th- that isn't the one that I spent my, my time researching. I think it's just because America is such, it, 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 the 1970s or 80s, that was the, the, the because they wanted if, to... If you give uh, things for free, free home, free health care, um, free money, mm-hmm. it has a negative effect on the people you give it to. Um, in the moment, it seems like the positive result, but overall, over long term, as the study suggests, and as we're seeing now, it's not free. Other people have to pay for it. And not only that, but they have to pay for it to a governmental system, which has to pay for the admin, has to pay for the systems, has to pay for this and that, which has proven to be inefficient, as we're seeing with, with the hospitals. Be, we're not, it's other people paying for it inefficiently because the person at the top, let's say in the government, how are they meant to make choices for 4 million, 5 million people? And what, when you, what do you deem by a poor life choice? Is that somebody who takes drugs? Is that somebody who um, drinks too much, becomes an alcoholic? Is that somebody who has a gambling addiction? It's clearly, a, uh, it's clearly single mothers because you drilled into single mothers. Are they all poor life choices? Uh, I nearly didn't drill into single, single mothers. Come on now. You said <laughs> you reward single mothers for having babies and destroy the family structures and babies grow up without fathers because... That's what everyone else is doing because they're rewarded for doing it. Exactly, and that's and that's what the studies show. Yeah, but many many single parents, mothers or fathers, rear great children who go on to have great lives. 
True. You're, sometimes maybe, you're no. better off. You, you hone in on children without fathers. Sometimes the child might be better off if he's a bad father or he's a violent father or he's an abusive father. He's be- sometimes better off out of the picture. Oh, oh, definitely. But, I mean, if you look at the math, it's very hard for one person to be, play two roles. I mean, mothers are great, but, you know, and it's great to promote women and empower them. But is it right to just assume that they're super women? That can, can they be awake at all times? Can they, can they skip that little nap that they needed during the day when the, hus- if the husband or the father okay. was there? Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm all for empowering women, but are we putting too much expectations? We, we you know, we do even in our society. The women, the women do it all anyway. But you know, at least if they have a little bit of a break, if the if the father is there, that, that's what I believe. I suppose the ultimate point that I try to get across, and I've had this for two years now, is and it's something that I've been. I've, that's how my business model that in the, in the jobs that I do is the community. So the government privatization in the middle is the community. People listen to this, the person next door, you probably don't even know them. We don't know anyone anymore. Do you know what I mean? And it's about knowing the people around you. Find that local charity that you can observe that if you do try and support, at least you know where your resources are going. It's about starting in, fixing your own head, fix your own bedroom, clean your own doorstep, and then, and then start working outwards from there and help the people around you. And, and, what, and what is it that you actually do? Um, so what I do is essentially, I, I'm currently just left one job. I was uh, starting as a personal trainer. I was running that for the last year. Um, and I also run uh, kids events like Santa's Grottos and uh, yeah. things like that. Yeah. But the, the overall thing is I, I do it through the community. I started, on my, I, I did it all in my estate. And it's, I, and it, it's, it's networking in a way, um, but seeing, working in the community, bringing people together, um, I, I, so I, I started the community cleanup. We just kind of started it again after the winter. But when I came back from um, Dubai, oh, okay. I, I left Dubai two years ago. Started with the community. Just I, I just went out. Dubai's, not, Dubai's not much of an example, actually, as to um, utopia, where people are incredibly poor there and uh, work very... Dubai is all very glitzy and glossy when you go in there as a tourist or what have you. But apparently yeah. the conditions of people who go into Dubai to work are appalling. But why are they there? You do you think? Why why don't they? Why why are they there? The poor people. They are desperate for work. They're desperate for f- for the food on the table. And They're taking they advantage off? of. And are they? And I, I've lived and worked with these people. And are they better off? Are they better off having no money back where they come from, or having a life to be able to provide for their families back home by living in Dubai? For tiny money and ridiculous long hours and shocking living conditions. Has that improved over the last couple of years? That that I don't know. Hang on there, Will. Hello, Neil. Yeah, go ahead. Do you want to pick up on this? I do, Neil. It's just like, uh, he's, he's, <laughs> that chapter, know what he's talking about, really, because... He's, he's saying about, if you give everything for free, <laughs> it's a failed yeah. system. Yeah, well, to see, Neil, in my opinion, he do know what he's talking about, because... These people have to be helped all over the world. If you didn't help these people, that are difficulty, like that chap you had on the phone. Wayne. You said the right thing. There's no system there for people that goes through the cracks. And when they're trying to do something with their life, there's no help there for them. So, Neil, over the years, you have them on the phone, like, phone and said that they're trying to do right in life, but there's nothing there to help them. 
What were you asking the question? What What would Conrad suggest should happen? That people should be left to starve, is it? For sure you have to do something. Sure, there's, there's all over the world, there's people, there's poor people. The rich are getting richer. Like they have in one house or all. Some people have... So what in the what would you want seven or eight billion pounds in the bank for? Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, you can't and spend... And when someone... You hear these billionaires there around the world in America. He mentioned America. Should the black people are getting an awful grueling in America need? Yeah. Yeah. For donkey's ears and the Irish over there, and like, like it's the Irish, the Irish had to bring yourself on over there. They're one of the most looked at people over there. No, looked up to. Conrad, because some sections of society will always need help. Uh, see, I don't know. Can you hear me now when I speak? Or have yeah. I been on the whole thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So no, um, I mean, th- there has to be a system in place, but it. The system right now isn't working. The system I'm suggesting is the community. I agree with you. I didn't catch your name there, the other gentleman. On That's the Will. Side. Yeah, yeah. Will. I, I, I agree with everything you said there 100%, but what I'm saying is the system we have now, it's not working. It's no, I mean, you might, people might well agree. You also say before people decide to spend their money on drinks and drink and cigarettes, they should first pay for the likes of their own health care. That's an interesting point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, Neil. Neil, just people that drink and smoke are still paying taxes. There's taxes on them stuff, that stuff as well. Some people drink too much, I understand that. There's no one in this world perfect. But, like, you have to have special payments for people that are down in their luck. Do you, think, do you think that single mothers are rewarded for having babies, Will? Neil, listen. Neil, I'm around a long time. Mothers that old old marriage had children, they were looked down in for years in this country. Looked down for. There was rumours put around them by government. Unmarried mothers. That's what they were called. Mm. And they changed that now to single parents. It was a disgrace for years. But do you think, do you believe, you probably don't, that uh, young girls have babies to get benefits? They do, no way, Neil. All right, okay. That's that's life. Okay, I'm going to pick it up after 10 chaps. Listen, thank you both for your calls. Thank you to Conrad who kicked this off and thank you to Will as well. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868 104 106. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie and you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show Now I've had this for, for a while but it's a typical example of what people have to live with uh, particularly if they buy their own house and you're at um, you know you're at the mercy of whoever moves in next door to you aren't you a lot of the time uh, and I can't say with any amount I just can't say at all whether this is a private rental or whether it's coming through a half payment I, I just do not know uh, but the emailer says I'm literally at my wits end right now over new neighbours of ours. The amount of noise that myself, my partner and three-year-old daughter have to put up with since they moved in is just insane. This is every day and every night. Um, If it's every day and every night, I don't really think that the people next door to you go out to work at all and sleep at night tired. Anyway, the guards have been involved and we've sent numerous emails to the agency and we're getting no satisfaction whatsoever from the letting agency. No one is doing a thing. 
We can't get the landlord's details because the agency won't give them to us. It's causing so much, so much stress and tension in my home. My poor child won't sleep on her own anymore. I have to sleep with her either in my own room or her bedroom. We actually had to move her bedroom twice uh, to keep her away from all of the constant noise from the next door neighbours. She's so scared every time she hears a bang, which is all day, every day. It's totally gone beyond a joke now because no one is taking this seriously. We own our home for years now and broke our backs to save for it. And we do, and we do it up as we best we can as it was in an awful condition from the people who are renting it before we bought it. Now we're having to live and deal with all this abuse from the people who are renting next to us. And they've been only there four months, but it's been four months of absolute hell. I suffer so much with my mental health and I've had to dose up on medication since they moved in because I just can't handle it anymore. The noise, 24-7. No one should have to live like this. It's just so unfair. It's brought us so much unhappiness and so much unhappiness to our home. Please don't give up my details as I can't handle the stress of abuse right now on top of everything else because I know that's what I'll get from people. But that's fine when people aren't putting up with what myself and my family have to put up with day in, day out. I'm just so disgusted with the attitude of the letting agency. Any help we can get would be really appreciative. Kind regards. Um, I, I, I don't know whether it's got any better since you sent in the email. I imagine it probably hasn't. I can't understand why you think that you'd get abuse from people if I gave out. I won't obviously be giving out your details, but I don't think you'd get any abuse from anyone. No one will want to live next door to neighbours from hell like that particularly that you've sunk all of your money and your life savings and a mortgage into your family home. But back to the phone lines we go. Michelle, good morning. Hi, Neil, how are you? Okay, some of the things Conrad said, and this is a quote, the government needs to stop incentivizing poor life choices by giving and making everything free. Yes, that's right. You agree with that? I just feel, um, Neil, that uh, Conrad uh, had a really good point when he was sort of looking. I know he touched, I, I just got a bit of it now, but he touched base about community and, uh, you know, making a kind of a, a, a middle base or whatever because the whole system is broken. And if, if, if we could kind of, you know, uh, like clean up our own front door, as he said, and then move out. But if you don't have a like, front door, well, well, that's true. Your front door really is your own personal space, isn't it? Really, I mean, it's all about yourself and kind of like. Okay, so where, taking where, control where, of your own life, making better life choices, so that you don't yes. need help, is it? Well, making making life choices, I suppose, like Neil, at the end of the day, um, you know, we're 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 totally after moving on from. Like you know, the, the, the like, like there's like the old Catholic Church sort of uh, dictatorship, you know, where you know you 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 were afraid to take contraceptive, you know. I mean, it's a case of like we can kind of like make these choices now. There's support there, and you know, I'm not harping in on kind of single mothers or anything because they're absolutely amazing. Anyone that brings a child into the world today is absolutely, you know. But he's saying that having a child on your own is a poor life choice. Well, look, at the end of the day, I just feel that... A life on the dole is a poor life choice. He's saying taking drugs at a young age that leads to addictions. These are poor life choices. Look, 
at the end of the day, it's probably, you know, the circumstances that people find themselves in, you know, lack of, you know, having, you know, a decent, um, you know, parent or whatever to sort of, it's just, it just comes down the ladder, really, I, I suppose, at the end of the day. What, what, what we need to see is that there is a huge community base where people can help each other out and support each other. And I just feel that Conrad was kind of like gearing towards that more so than kind of like, you know, um, you know, um, what would you say, um, hurting people by, by making poor life choices. I know, but the community can't, the community can't heal you when you're sick. The community can't put a roof over your head when you're homeless. Well, I think that if there's proper structures put in place, Neil, from the government, that they can. And, you know, there is houses that are boarded up and they're boarded up for years on end. And, you know, it's just like, oh, we'll get to that, we'll get to that. Now, the other thing is that, you know, there's the, the likes of these DESH schools um, that are, have been given this um, name that, you know, you're in this area, so you're a DESH school, so you will get uh, books, you will get... That's this, a disadvantaged blah, blah, blah. area. Yes, yeah. but they will be given food then. It's the government, really, at the end of the day, and our taxpayers that are paying into the system that are allowing this... Um, whole um, catering there's a catering now after being uh, brought on to these desk schools because it's hot food yeah. it's being pushed yeah because they have to food. feed the children because they may not yes. get it at home yes but the hot food uh, I have first hand information that this hot food um, is, is being dumped more than put into the children the children are absolutely uh, putting their fork into one 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 plate of hot food and then um, pushing it to one side. Why aren't they, the so why aren't they eating waste. it? Pardon? Why aren't they eating the food that they're provided with in school? Exactly, exactly. And I have first-hand information that, you know, they're um, been given this hot food and it's going into bags and bags and it's a sin, a, an absolute sin the amount of rubbish that's coming out of the schools because the children aren't eating them. And that's another, like, as far as I'm concerned, it's a huge waste of taxpayers' money. Um, I mean, that that's, a, that's a... Disadvantaged yeah. schools, so, so to speak. Uh, but, and but, the children aren't even uh, respecting it and appreciating it. They're just... But, but why aren't they? Is, is it that they don't need it? That they've been fed at home? Or is it that the food that they've been given isn't nice? Because they've been awarded um, a, a DESH status. And no, but I'm just asking you, why aren't, the the ki- why aren't they the eating it? Well, that's it. Exactly. If you were hungry, you'd eat it. So they're obviously not, and it's been wasted. So, I mean, we can look at that on a, a, a wide scale. And is that scale, happening right? much, or are you if talking about one? Is this house? one... No, but Okay, go on with the houses, yeah, what? Yeah, if somebody somebody that needs a house uh, gets a house and somebody else is, is in a, 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 or they're in an estate, do you think that they're going to look after that estate if they're all being given it for free? Because why, I, why I not? know for a fact I've often passed... Uh, estates and uh, you know there's uh, there's a lot of the people oh we got it for free so you know why should we go out and cut the grass why should we look after but that's only but that's only away? some people you you can't say that everybody that's given a public authority house 
who incidentally pays a portion of the rent themselves or yes. has HAP yes. doesn't look after their properties. They do. What I'm saying is that there is a yeah, there is there is a certain amount of people that have this um, uh, mindset that like oh we'll get it for free. So has, our, has, has, has the system that provides then for people who need help created a, um, a country full of freeloaders? I, well, I feel, I feel that. I feel that personally. I, I, I do. I just think that maybe what Conrad was saying um, at the end of the day was very... Um, I, I take my hat off to him. And okay. I think that if there is more people that, with that point of view and kind of that sense that we can kind of... We can do something. We can change... We can change this broken uh, system and um, get together and, and create something that, you know, will enhance everyone. The people that are, you know, on long term, um, you know, uh, dole or job seekers, you know, they shouldn't feel as if they're just trapped, you know, that if there was uh, another, another system, another, I, I don't know, I, I, I really don't know. But this whole community-based thing that he was touching on, I missed a bit of okay. it, Neil. Okay. And I just feel that, like, you know, maybe drive that forward. And I, I just want to say that, you know, hats off to, to Conrad. Okay, for thank you for that, here. Michelle. Appreciate it, Anna, standing by. First off, Steph, good morning. Hi, how are you? How's thanks things? for taking the call. Um, are you a single yeah, parent? Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you heard, you've heard the conversation so far. What do you make of it? You know what? I'll tell you, I just... I, I was dropping my daughter to her fairy school because she's on midterm and I kind of came in at the end of the conversation there. Um, normally I wouldn't give my two cents for kind of subjects like this. I am a single parent, uh, not by choice, but I am a very proud one. Um, I just think, you know, Conrad may be a lovely person and all of the above, but I just think his view on single parents is very skewed, you know. Um, and I kind of said in the voice note that like, we do have this title, the single parent. Um, there's still there's still a stigma around it, unfortunately. But my own personal circumstances, I can only I can only speak about that. Um, the government has never helped me. I went for help when I was struggling with my daughter when I was when she was a few months old. Um, and told I wasn't entitled to anything. Why? Um, Why were you told because that? I was earning too much money. Now, that's that's the the sentence I was given. Um, when I looked at the cut-off point um, in order to avail of one-parent family, I was earning three euros more per week um, than what the cut-off was. So did you so, contemplate stopping work? I, I did. I contemplated it. Um, because some would say you'd be better off just not bothering working yeah, and rearing yeah. your daughter. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it does cross your mind. But personally for me, and look, I might get slated for changes, but personally for me, um, what would that be showing my daughter? You know, I didn't want her to teach her that it's okay to sit back and accept either. Mm. So Mm. with the help of my family, thankfully, I know a lot of people and a lot of single parents might not have the help that I did. And, you know, I am very lucky and I acknowledge that. Um, I went he, back to college. Yeah. I I struggled. I worked hard. Um, you know, I'm still, I'm still working very hard. Yeah. Um, I'm very lucky in this moment in time. My daughter is now seven. I'm in a very very comfortable position now. But you know, it's not to say all of those seven years that I didn't struggle. Um, 
And for someone to have a skewed view and to place me in that category, um, you know, single mother. No, thing, you see, there's stuff. so many. No two stories are ever the same. You see, that's the no, thing about not. You and can't generalise. That's my point. But that's they could also point. equally exactly. be said that some young girls would get, um, would be attracted to saying, I'm not going to work because... Um, you know, it, it, it's just yeah. the money is so bad and the wages are so bad and the hours are so bad and I'll make the very same money by not working. I'm going to choose that option. Absolutely. But I think in this day and age, and I think especially with younger people and the younger generation, I do feel like there's more of a hunger and an appetite and an ambition in this generation. I know, but isn't it very sad you know? sometimes when you walk around the city and you can't it judge is. people by looking upon them. But I do see very young girls with very... A lot of the time, they're with young lads who are clearly the dad. And they're so young pushing a buggy. I mean, they may yeah, be very but happy, and, but and it's right, going to be a hard life. But we don't know their circumstances. So again, we can't, we can't judge again upon looking at someone. No, I know. Um, yeah. And you don't know... You know, they might go home and they might have a lovely, comfortable life that the father of that child might have a really good job like you you can't look at someone and say because you're wearing this clothes and you look like this and you look this age and because you're you're pushing a buggy that doesn't mean to say that they're going to have a hard life oh I know and it's maybe we are just way too judgmental but sometimes you can't help it you can't help but think oh my god you're going no, to have such can't. a and tough life like, you're so young yeah yeah and like you know you know I'm, I'm not too sure how old Conrad or Michelle are um, but, you know, I, I do believe myself they may be a little bit older than I am. And it's just generational and generational views and as well at the same time. But, you know, even though single mothers, and I'm just going to talk about single mothers, even though that's our title, our circumstances are very, very different. Mm. Mm. You know, yeah. so we, like we, we can't paint everyone with the same brush. And okay. You can't you can't be judgmental, you okay. know. You, 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 it must be very rewarding that you put in the hard graft now, though, is it? It is, but I, it is. Of course it is. Of course it is. But, you know, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't have done it without the help of my parents yeah. and my family, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I would consider myself one of the lucky ones, you know. But Have we come, have we come so far from, say, 40 years ago, or even maybe even a little less, yeah, we have. when many families yeah. turned their back on young girls like you? Yeah, and you know what the thing was? They didn't like, want a lot of the time, but the mortification you know, of it all made them. Yeah, it did. But you know what the thing is, so I, especially with my, my, my dad would be very, very religious. My mother would be quite liberal, you know, so they'd be quite different. Um, and they would have different views as well, you know. But I remember telling my parents and I was terrified. Go away. Absolutely terrified. Like I'll, I'll never forget how scared it was. Did you put it off long. as long as you could? No, I didn't. I kind of came home and I broke down and sure, my poor mother knew straight away, you know, and she, she said to me, I couldn't get the words out of my mouth, and she said to me at the kitchen table with me and my sister, she said, are you pregnant? And I said, I just nodded my head. And she beamed. Like, she was so delighted. From ear to ear, there was a smile I'll never forget, you know. <laughs> so, um, but that's... Were you in a relationship or anything like that? I wasn't. No, I wasn't. Well, fair play no. to your mother. Were you young? I was 20. Yeah. But I yeah. 20. No, sorry, I was 21 and I so had that, her when I was 22. So that was, was a great relief to you that you had, I suppose, the thumbs up from your mam. How was your dad's well, reaction? I, I, I did. My, dad, my dad's reaction was very different, but I thought my mother would be the harder one because she'd always said like that old Ireland Catholic style thing, don't ever come home pregnant. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that happened in a lot of houses, but her her actual reaction to the reality of the situation was very different. However, my father was a little bit, oh, Lord, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know... Was he, did he say, you know, you, you're, you've ruined your life kind of thing? No, 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 absolutely not. No. I think he went away. My father's quite a conservative man, and he'll, he'll walk away and think about the situation and then come back with the correct words to say. Um, he came back a couple of days later, and I remember he kind of sat me down and said, this is a really happy time in your life now, and you have your family around you, you know? So That's what, you, want. Quite, That's what you wanted to hear. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wasn't expecting any of that. You know, but it just made my situation very, very easy. Oh, for God's but sake, yeah, because you were in... I do acknowledge a lot of people out there that have it, have it tough, you know, and I would be very protective of that as well, you know? Mm, mm, okay, all right. Thanks for sharing. Look after yourself, Steph, and... Uh, I will. Thanks, guys. Take feel free care. to come back any time on anything we're chatting about. Pick it up after the break. Text 0868-104-106. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. All right. 104 to 106 Red FM. Conrad was saying on air this morning that the system is broken. It cannot continue as it is. He makes points like before people spend money on drink or cigarettes, you should first be able to pay for your own health care. He says that government in Ireland needs to stop incentivizing poor life choices by making and giving everything for free. I mean, poor life choices is kind of a very broad brush, isn't it? What do you mean by a poor life choice? Um, he was making a reference to Dubai at one stage, and I don't think Dubai is the poster country of anywhere. Uh, but this guy is talking out of his backside. He obviously has never had any hardship, hardships in life himself. I lived in Dubai myself, and I saw firsthand how the Indians and Pakistanis are treated when they come into the country. Passports are taken off them. They're made to live in huts you wouldn't put a dog in. And they work 16 hours a day, if not more, says Alison, who saw it firsthand. Yeah, I mean, everybody that goes there as a tourist, say they go over and spend their money and do the things you do in Dubai. You don't see the underbelly that's going on beneath the surface a lot of the time. Anyway, Anna, good morning. Morning, Neil. Okay, you wanted to pick up on this. What, uh, what points did you want to make? Um, I suppose, firstly, I just felt that Conrad had probably spent far too much time with people who have very low opinions of women while he was in Dubai. Um, and secondly, to pick up on what your last... Well, it's not just, he's not well, just talking about women. He, he's talking I about... I know, but he hammered at home about single mothers, and I just feel he was very ignorant about the topic. Like, I don't feel he really knew what he was talking about. Like, I know I'm not a single parent myself. I have a partner. We have kids. You know, I I feel very lucky to be in that situation. But I know lots of single parents. None of them went out deciding to get pregnant in the hopes to get a house. Or so none of them that you know welfare. is a single mother. None that I know. Out. Like I know, I do know benefit. some who are on it. Yeah, but to like as a life choice to go out and be like, oh, that's going to be my career. No, like the majority of people I know who are single parents are as a result of like relationships breaking down or like partners dying and stuff like it's very very rare for people to go out and decide that it's a life choice for a career because like the people who are on the bottom line of social welfare it's so difficult it's not like they're living a life of luxury being on social welfare they're struggling to make ends meet so I just think it's a very ignorant it's, it's, it's astonishing made. because a few weeks ago when I was dealing in and trying to explain and get stories on the air of people who have children on the autism spectrum and how they're struggling it ended up then talking about people who have children who they're looking for a diagnosis for the child doesn't matter what it is so that they can get money out of it we, we seem to turn the screws on people every time 
But I think a lot of people are very like bitter that they feel that everybody else is getting a better deal than they are, or that they're the only people out working. But people like, live in states. But, but people do live in a. I read a lengthy email last week. People do live in states where some of their neighbours are not working, never worked, have uh, flash new motor cars, and have two or three sun holidays a year, and they're annoyed about it. Yeah, and I get that as well. I all I sometimes like I've seen that myself as well, and I wonder how their euro goes further than my euro, but. Like, again, I do think it's, you know, like some of the points Conrad made, I do agree with that. Like, I don't think people should be able to be on the dole for life. I do think there should be incentives, even if it's like community service that you go out and you do X around your community to justify the payment that you're getting. Like, I also don't believe that it's impossible to get jobs. I feel that like, you know, as long as you're willing to work and do anything, you would get a job. But I do feel that a lot of people are comfortable not to go out and get jobs. So, like certain aspects, I do agree with. But I just, I, I took major issue with. So what why do we? Why don't we make? Parents. Why do we? Okay, you're very upset, annoyed about his points on single mothers yeah. because he's way off the mark. But well, I grew up with a single parent family. Like my mother reared four of us on her own because my father left the relationship and never supported anything. So that's just what I'm saying. Is like he's tiring everybody with the one brush, but he clearly doesn't know what he's talking well, about. Well, then it's very and personal. He just seems to, you, to have yeah. a very yeah. Uh, very like look down his nose at single parents and I just feel that like it's such a broad spectrum of how people end up in certain situations that somebody who clearly doesn't know what he's talking about shouldn't be on the radio making comments about um, it. Um well yeah, but even if we were to drill into job seekers for instance, we had the case of Don yeah. Callahan who was taken who was fraudulently claiming two pensions for thirty three years. He spent thirty years on job seekers and he stopped working if if he was working he stopped working at twenty seven. How can you be 30 years on job seekers and be allowed? Yeah, to I don't years? agree with that. So can like, we not even just maybe that. think about changing that? That you yeah. have to have a job, some job, any job. But sure, even I was um, I was listening to another radio station recently as well and um, somebody was saying about how they had people turning up late on purpose to interviews and with like really bad attitudes and then going, can you sign that to say that I tried to get a job? Do you know, like those are people who are riding the system and I don't agree with that and I don't think it's right. Yes, we have a very flawed system in our country. But, but change just, it then, change it then to a job being provided for you as opposed to people asking yeah, for... Asking for knock-off job application letters. Yeah, but that's what I feel. Like, there's so much that needs to be done around the country that people could do. You don't have to have qualifications to be able to go out and, like, I'm not saying, like, you know, just pick litter, but, like, you could go out and you could maintain the green areas. You could go out, like, you know, just like a community service thing that if you don't have a job, you're getting your dole payment, but then you need to do a minimum of 10 hours, like, community service around yeah. the place. Yeah. Do you know, like, or even be part of the tidy towns or something like that to justify the money that you're getting, but also to like motivate people to have a reason to get up and to, you know, contribute to society, I suppose. Appreciate your thoughts. Much obliged to you and everybody that picks up the phone. Thank you, Anna. It was personal to you because your mother reared you and did a damn good job. Brian, good morning. How are you, Neil? Okay, he spoke about uh, poor life choices. Do you think that the poor life choices include uh, addictions? Yeah, I mean, look, he, he has a very kind of one-track mind on that. You know, you can see he comes from, I'd say, a background which might be a sl- slightly more privileged than some people Yeah, have, but we, we don't know that. Maybe he's just an we, incentivized go-getter who started young and just worked his ass off. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. But I suppose, look, he, he makes it out that addiction is a life choice. You know, and you, firstly, before you, you can have a drink, you have to be able to pay for your own health care. 
I mean, two men could have a drink when they're young. One man could have a drink and end up keeping on having a social drink and pay for his health care. And he would think, Conrad would think that man is perfect. And the other man would have a drink and become an alcoholic. And I mean, at the beginning when they both have a drink, neither one of them knows which one is going to become the alcoholic. Well, that's true. The fellow who lays down a bet on a horse, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So when the, when the first bet or the, the first drink is had or the first drug is taken, nobody expects to become an addict at that point, you know. So is is it expected? Is are. is it something you're you're increasing the odds of it if you uh, pick up a cannabis joint or you do a line of coke or you take an amphetamine no, you, tablet? You probably or? are. You probably are. To be fair, but as I said, like ninety five percent of people who have uh, maybe a smoke of cannabis or have a pint or a can when they're fifteen or sixteen don't become alcoholics and don't become uh, drug abusers. I suppose or addicts. You know. But it's clearly, but it's no matter what way you look at it, it's clearly broken. You know, more and more people would are say, for instance, afraid to go into the city. There's open fighting in the city now. I mean, I spoke about this yesterday oh. on the air. Just absolute thuggery. Um, and and a hundred percent. It is a tougher in terms of drug addiction, and especially since heroin became uh, a big issue in Cork. It's, it's always been around somewhat with people going up to Dublin and coming back etc but no I suppose it's but would, the, a, would the country be a better place if we had the philosophy of get off your ass and work for everything you need yeah look I, I guess you, I suppose there's a lot more involved in addiction than a yes or no choice as well you know um, it, it's a lot more deep rooted than that I guess you know there's a lot to be to be looked at in terms of I suppose childhood traumas, everything else you know as to why people become addicts. You yeah, know, yeah, um, yeah. I, I suppose if anybody's had a, a listen or a look recently at maybe the two Nari's podcast, they might have better understanding of things like that. It might be worth Conrad having, having a look at that and seeing from people who are addicts and seeing you know how they got to where they are you know and is this an area that you have personal experience of do you mind me asking Brian not not hugely Neil but I have a huge interest in this you know um, to be honest with you like if you were to look at that like even one of the chaps that does it you'd know them fairly well the two Nordic podcast but one of them there Timmy he goes on about I suppose when he was in drug addiction and, and alcohol addiction that you know at one point it possibly kept him alive because you know, he'd had a lot of childhood traumas, and yeah, I suppose yeah. that um, if he didn't get out of his head, maybe he wouldn't have survived, yeah, you know, whether yeah. self-harm or whatever else. Yeah. And it was a crutch that he lent on for a while, not telling his story, you know, it, it's, it's public news, I suppose, in the podcast. But it was a crutch he lent on for a while, and then it became an addiction. And I mean, there's a lot of things like that that Conrad isn't taking into consideration. But he, like, he does make a point that I see by text a number of people are agreeing with, that if you have a society where things are free and everything feels like an entitlement, and then you're of other people who are working, paying... Our, our, our tax system here is cruel. It's absolutely draconian. It's so bad, you know. Oh, 100%. And, and, and all I mean, of the I little nasty... I'm not just talking about the stuff that comes out of your wages. It's all of the other sneaky taxes that we pay. We actually, for your taxation, you get absolutely nothing. Nothing. You get nothing. Everything you need, you actually have to pay for. And I include the health yeah. system here, because even if you think that you got health care because you pay tax, you don't. You'll be waiting forever. So everything you yeah. need, I don't understand really why we don't talk about this more, that your tax yeah. actually counts for nothing for you personally at all. So for somebody who does work like you, and they're in a queue, or they know people who have never worked, and they see them in the queue, and their trolley is full of 
junk food, absolute rubbish that's making them sick and making their kids sick and making them fat and putting an overburden on them. They've never worked. And in there as well then is wine and beer and vodka and gin. Yeah. Do you understand why people just feel exasperated and tired of the system that's abused? Yeah, look, but a lot of that too, like maybe those people, you know, are suffering mentally, maybe they, they have a bit of self-hatred and, you know, they're, they're eating for, they're eating the wrong things and they're eating for comfort because, you know, their head is gone because they're unemployed, etc., you know. So it's a lot more complex an issue than A or B. Um, you know, the head is a lot more complex than that. Also, I suppose, look, like as I said, look, a, a lot of people who, who are in those situations, you know, they Maybe they haven't had the best starts in life, etc. Not everybody is coming to making that A or B decision from the same viewpoint, you know? Yes, um, absolutely. It's a lot yeah. more attractive. No, I, accept, I accept that. Others. I mean, there's a very, very thin line. Absolutely a very thin line. I recall my early 20s, um, I was probably only um, maybe a hair away from homelessness. It was no money, absolutely yeah, homeless. Okay no work, things had completely collapsed, nowhere to turn. And, and and I don't know how I actually managed to struggle out of it, but it, it was a left and right road. And I don't know, by some piece of luck, I, I don't even know if Quite I intentionally... Uh, yeah, I don't even know that I took the right road, but I remember it. I remember it like as if it was yesterday. I was absolutely F-U-C-K'd. Um, I, remember actually, I remember actually knowing that a friend, a very, not even a friend, an acquaintance that I knew, I knew was away um, out of the country for a couple of weeks um, and I, uh, my intention was to go and to force the lock on his flat up around Charlemagne Terrace or an awful, awful kip of a flat and yeah. I remember going up there one night with absolutely nowhere to go um, and I thought by the luck of God the door was open uh, and I managed to crash there for maybe three or four yeah. nights always wondering like is this guy going to come back and if he comes back how's he going to react to me staying in his in his flat you know it didn't happen but yeah, and, like, and for people in that position, Neil, I, suppose, I think everybody has that kind of a story, to, don't they? The left turn or the right turn. A lot of people do, and they do have to help themselves. And I mean, you, you, I suppose, got a bit of luck along the way there, and then, then you probably worked hard and got to where you were. No, it's, it is about, it is, it's just life, isn't it? It's just, but, I don't know whether it's not luck. only that, I mean, people have to make the, the right decisions for themselves, and they have to work hard, but also, I suppose, society has to offer them some sort of a crutch or has to offer them the opportunity and the time to get those choices right as well sometimes, you know, because it doesn't happen immediately for everybody. Yeah. I suppose on the other side, he speaks of uh, community picking up the load instead of maybe taxation. I mean, you could have two people in the exact same position, whether it's a single mother or an unemployed person, and the community or family around them would be able to support one very well, and the community and the family around the other person mightn't have the inclination or the ability to support the other person. So two people in the same situation get offered completely different supports by the community. It must be taxation, it must be societal, and it must be, you know, through through the government. Even if that comes with an element of abuse or playing the system, is it? It it, it will, but again, it's it's a very small minority, Neil, and I mean, every system is flawed. It doesn't matter what system they choose. Every system is flawed, but I think the government system is the one that is is less likely to let down the people that need the help, you know? Appreciate that. Thanks so much for taking the call, Brian. Appreciate it. We'll come back after the break. We've got calls on the way. Get involved in the conversation. Text 0868 104 106.
Thank you for making the Neil Prenderville Show the most listened to talk show in Cork again. Cork's Red FM. All right, Robert, good morning. Thanks for holding. What's on your mind? Yeah, well, good morning, Neil. Um, mm-hmm. Just a couple of points there, Neil, um, about the conversation. I know I didn't, I didn't hear what Conrad said, but I'm just kind of picking here's up what, on Here's what he there. said. We have underpaid, unappreciated staff working, but the government needs to stop incentivizing poor life choices by giving and making everything in this country free. This applies to free health care. This applies to homes for single mothers. This applies to free money for job seekers. You reward people with free health care or free money. You get more people wanting free health care and free money. You reward single mothers for having babies. You destroy the family structure and babies grow up without fathers because that's what everyone else is doing because that's what we reward. If you reward people with the dole for doing nothing, that's what you get in return. Nothing. Okay, Conrad seems like a very nice guy and a very understanding guy. Um, <laughs> very compassionate, yeah, that's for sure. Very compassionate. I can feel the empathy coming out there, Neil, you know? Yeah. But um, just a first one, like the highest respect for single mothers doing what they do, like, you know, and as everyone has different circumstances. But I think, like, Neil, this is an age-old conversation as well, where, like, we kind of hammer the, the, the like, the, Dole cheats, dole scrung, there's all these headlines that come out, like, you know, single mothers, like, you know, um, scrunging off the... The, the government and but what, like what we feel to realize Neil is like what the bankers did and what the, the politicians did to the country and they were bailed out like there's no one talking about there's no radio show discussing that but we always seem to hammer the, like, the, the, the guy that might be signing on and doing a couple of days here and there but he's got a new care the begrudgery of it like you know and this is a, this is a tactic that's been used for decades to divide and conquer they keep us squabbling amongst one yeah, another yeah but when you add like, all of that up though that accounts for an awful lot of money the people who are working look at, the, look at the billions look at the billions Neil that the, 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 the bankers and, and the property developers and the politicians cost us and they all walked away from it scot free what about all the offshore accounts? You know, Neil, you're on about seeing someone in a supermarket there, like throwing junk food in. Like, that's a terrible stereotype that you came up with there. Have you ever looked at someone who's wearing good clothes and putting expensive stuff into the, into the, the, the shopping trolley? No, I'm not saying that I'm looking in. I mean, know? I'm not saying that I'm looking into people's trolleys and saying that they're scroungers and freeloaders. I'm saying know, the complete opposite. An, an analogy there, like, pe- pe- like, no, because people do make these analogies. I'm long enough on the air to have heard that so many times from people on the air. They said, I know, but, they, but incidentally, but do I do have a, pro- I actually do have a problem with cho- with trolleys full of junk food and rubbish and crap and liquid sugar particularly when it comes to children, but that's for another day. That's half the reason oh, I have care is shagged. Yeah, but the food yeah, like, uh, like, we can only control what we do. We can't control what other people do, you know? But we, have to, but we have to try and give people, we have to try and give people better food choices if they want to have a healthy brain and a healthy body. I, I, Neil, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you with the healthy food. Like, but well, I just came back to the point of that we just keep hammering the, the kind of lower working class. Whereas you've got the big guys, with, they're, they're laughing at this, Neil, because there's no one talking about their offshore accounts, their tax incentives. Apple get billions and billions and billions in tax incentives every year, but yet we're on about a single mother or we're on about um, a guy that's trying to do one or two days of work while he's signing on. You know, so yeah. like I just, just the, the conversation. But maybe it's not about the, the guy. Well. It's maybe it's not about the guy who's doing foxes and signing on. Maybe it's about the guy who's never worked and never wants to work and claims every single benefit available. For decades and decades and decades, and spends most well, of the Neil, time I, I in the from, pub I'm and the from bookies. The I'm from the north side of Cork City, and I don't know one guy who's done that. Good, good. Do you know, I don't know one. No, there's a couple of guys that have been unemployed here and there, and like, but I've never like the, the, 
the person that you're describing there, I don't know anyone like that, like, okay. you know? Okay. But we just we just need to remember, Neil, that, like, there's a lot more going on above us as well. So, like, this is the old route, divide and conquer, keep us squabbling amongst ourselves while they're, they're kind of creaming off the top, then, you know, but the conversation is not And, of course, po- politicians come and go. You're very right there. Governments come and go. Nothing changes. They're in it for what they can get. They like, shuffle that, in, they that, shuffle that girl, out. That girl that was on earlier, and she said she was three euros over the, over the limit, like, you know, and she couldn't get the support. Yeah. But the bankers, like, billions and billions over the limit, and they got the support. So they look after their own, and then they, they give us the scraps at the bottom needs to fight amongst. So, like, we need to stick together as a community, like, you know, and kind of, I don't know, be nice to one another and help one another out. Because they're just up there laughing down at us, like, throwing the scraps at us, like, you know. But this, for them, is a distraction. Keep them distracted and squabbling oh, amongst themselves. Divide and conquer, Neil. Yeah. Divide and conquer. Thanks, Robert. Text 0868 That guy is talking out of his backside. He obviously has never had any hardships in life. Another one. Tell Michelle that hot food being given out to schools is a lifeline for a lot of these kids. Uh, the food are the the food they are giving out is fabulous, and a lot of kids are very grateful of it. The menu choice is also fantastic. Michelle needs to realize that kids are hungry; they need to be fed. Yeah, I don't think Michelle had any issue with it. She was saying that all too often she hears that the food in Desh schools, or at least some of them, I don't know whether it's one she's talking about or all of them. She says an awful lot of the food is just dumped. Tell Conrad that we could, we could all hear him giggling while the other guy was making his point. Okay. Well, I think he was just thinking, oh, this guy going to come on and disagree with me. It was probably maybe a nervous giggle as opposed to anything else. Uh, if life on the dole is so great, why doesn't he go on it, says John. Listening to that guy talking about single mothers, he does know a woman can't get pregnant by herself, doesn't he? What about the men? Uh, just some more. Many people have prioritized their lives nowadays. They prioritize them like more cars, more kids, more socializing, more children. And they have no health cover. Everything is about choices and priorities these days. I have to say I completely agree with Conrad. It's always the same people who receive benefits from the government. It's the middle class who are always footing the bill. I'm a woman and have been told that if I had a few kids and was a single mother, I'd be better off than ever getting married. I'd get a house much faster and lots of benefits from the government. This is what that man Conrad is saying. There is an incentive for women to have kids and stay single, and this has led to the degradation of the family. There's also incentives not to work, and people are playing the system. Why should I have to pay for someone else's poor choices? Because sometimes there, it isn't the choice that they may, would want to make or would have made. The poor choices sometimes are just life, you know, and all of the SIT that life throws at you. They're not intentionally poor choices all of the time. There's a total sense of entitlement with some of the freeloaders in society, Neil. Isn't that the philosophy of Sinn Féin? Pay for nothing. <laughs> I don't know. I suppose we'll find out soon enough. <laughs> Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number, 0818-104-106. Okay, we'll pick it up after 11, this and lots of other texts and conversations, so do get involved. Text 0868-104-106. But just this side of 11, I've been talking about a spate of uh, bike robberies these days. It really has ratcheted up over the last few months, motorbike. Uh, maybe I'm hearing more about it, but I believe it is true because the Guardian are also saying more and more motorbikes are being whipped and stolen. Uh, Colin, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How's it going? Is that Kawasaki, is that your pride and joy? Oh, it is. My whole life's pretty much gone into it. Oh, my God. Did you work hard to save for it and everything? I, I did, yeah. And all my, pretty much my whole paycheck goes into it every now and again. Like, Is it an expensive bike, a Kawasaki 600? Um, 
Some, some more than some more than like it's it's about twenty two years old now. Like so. Oh, so you? I mean, you're connected with it because you have it. That, do you have that? You don't have it that long, though, no. No, no, I only right. have it about um, three years. Like, but okay. all my money's gone into it now. How did they start them? I mean, how does that? Like, it's it, somebody stole it between one a.m. and seven a.m. or something. How do they start them? Do they just wheel them away or what? Um, basically, they they just break the the steering lock on on the bike and. Uh, whatever lock you have on it um, and they'd wheel it away or sometimes they'd throw it into a back of a, of a, of a van and take off. Okay. And any idea what they do that for? Is it to joyride them or sell them or strip them or what? Well, you'd say to strip them and if they take them and joyride them then they just burn them out. And burn them out, yeah. Okay, okay. Why do you think so many are being stolen? There seems to be a bit of a craze going on at the moment. I haven't a clue. I'd say it's just that it's it's easy to easier to take than a car sometimes. Yeah, it could know? well be. And this is Carrigaline, is it? It is, yeah, Carrigaline, yeah. Okay. Um and it's a Meath Red zero zero MH one 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 zero three. Just give me it like Actually, we've had quite a lot of luck actually with bikes in the past few weeks. Um yeah. uh, sometimes they're damaged, sometimes they're burnt out, sometimes they've been crashed. So I don't know if that'll be the case with yours. I hope not. But describe okay, it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's black and grey in colour with a, a black screen, um, aftermarket exhaust on it, and it's it's immaculate condition. Like any CCTV footage or cameras or anything? No. Um, there is one down the end of my estate, like, but I don't know if I picked it up or not. Um, I had the guards and all out this morning and. They went down to the house to see, but I haven't heard anything. Yeah, and you didn't hear anything in bed or anything, no? You weren't disturbed or anything like no, that? No, not disturbed at all. Unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. Oh, this is in the Carrigaline area. God knows where they went. You, But you don't have any, you don't have a door camera or anything like that, no? No, no. no. Okay. And I, I have cameras to be put up, but I, I just never got around to put them up. Oh, you know? man, that's a bad piece of luck, isn't it? <laughs> it's a bit too late now. Okay. Um, do you use it for work and everything, yeah? I use it to get to work every morning. I, I went out this morning at 7 o'clock to go to work and it wasn't there, so... It's like getting a kick in the stomach, isn't it? Oh, it is. It is. Okay, all right. All right, let's see. It's, it's grey and black in colour with the black screen. It's a Kawasaki uh, 600. You'd never know, you know, people might spot it, might see a bike that's just been left there. Hopefully they get in it's touch, fast. see if we can help. Maybe the guards will be able to help as well, all right? Hopefully, hopefully they do. All right, my man. Thanks so much. Yet another motorbike. I don't know what it is. They just really seem to have taken off these days. Motorbike theft. Uh, There's a group stealing bikes, somebody said. There's a group stealing bikes at the moment in the city uh, with a TikTok page called Farinree's Hottest, where they take videos of them with the bikes joyriding and then they burn them out. It's worth keeping an eye on that page. Your bike might end up there, Colin. Hopefully not. Hopefully they'll just ride it and abandon it and you'll get it back. Anyway, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. New year, new number for Neil. 0818-104-106. Okay, keep your text coming. I'll come back to the different topics we've been discussing. Text 0868-104-106. But I mentioned just at 9 o'clock this morning that today is the 22nd of the 2nd, 22. So it's 22222. And tonight at 22 minutes past 10, it will be 22222. 
2222. <laughs> it sounds crazy. Apparently, I'm told it's called a palindrome. It's a palindrome. I mentioned Gráinne Tyndall earlier on this morning. She's a numerologist. She'll explain all to us. Gráinne, good morning. Uh, it's lovely to talk to you. Hello from Bluffbury, Wicklow. <sighs> beautiful, beautiful Wicklow. Um, yes. So today is a palindrome, and it won't happen again for 180 years. Explain all. The, explain the significance of a date like that, if you don't mind. Sure, of course. Yes, my pleasure. Um, well, as a numerologist, we work with numbers and your, we, a lot of time we work with your date of birth and name from birth to help people to uncover and discover who they are. It's based on energy. So when we look at a date of birth like this or a date like this, like this, as you say, rightly, it won't happen for another 180 years. And um, all when numbers are repeated, there's usually a, a significant message. And this is not airy-fairy, Neil. This is actually science. This is science. I never science. said for a moment it would I be airy-fairy. <laughs> You sense it from me. Have you a sixth sense? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I know it's something that, you know, when maybe your listeners here initially, they think, oh God, but it's actually a science that's been around for thousands of years. So it's very interesting for me. I've been doing this work 25 years and only in recent years, this has really become a real interesting phenomenon for a lot of people. Yeah. They're curious, like the 1111, for example, why do you look at your watch at that time and so forth? But for today, it is such a, it's a numerologist dream because it's all about when numbers are repeated it's an extra message and the number two in numerology is around harmony and it is around balance and it is around being able to see things like as above so below that's what it's really about i'm interested in that because this is 2022 and we are i think in a year of trying to get harmony and balance after we've what we've come through so that that, i understand that point yeah, it really is. And, and there's certain numbers in numerology that are called master numbers. And the main master number, well, is 11. Then the next one is a 22. So when you look at that date of birth, as you eloquently read out, the 22 is at the beginning and the end. So what does that mean for us? It means that this is such an important time for our world, for the inhabitants of the world, to take a step-by-step process to really decide what it is we as individuals want for the collective. That's a bit deep, isn't it? It is, because I was looking at some of what you do earlier this morning, and you say that we live our lives in, is it cycles of eight years? Did I read that somewhere? Uh, Nine years. Nine years, okay. Absolutely, and we do. And when we live in cycles of nine years, we have a, a game plan that I believe we come in with. I believe we also have total free will. But when we as a world are collectively going through what we've been going through, I feel right now with all the blustery weather, as you mentioned, that to me is a purging. I believe the earth is relating to what we as the inhabitants are putting out there. You know, I believe everything is connected. That is very true. That is so true where we find ourselves now that we're getting payback for what we've been doing. Yes, absolutely. And that's what the number two is about. It's a reflection. So, what you see, what's playing out in your in your own life, is very much belonging to the interior world. That's what I believe. Is it connected so, to astrology then, in, in some extent? Um, it's not, but it it sort of dovetails with it. Um, it does overlap, but they're they're two different ways of looking at things. But ultimately, everything is connected. You see, so we'll always find a way. And um, but it is very interesting because your date of birth and your name from birth. 
really are, that's what I do. I read people's dates of birth and names and births. Well, have a listen to this, if you don't mind. I got a, sure. a text in from a buddy of mine whose son is 21 today. Aaron Barry is 21 today. Happy birthday, Aaron. The 22nd of the second, 22. So he would have been born when? Uh, 2001? That's right, yeah. Would you be able My to daughter. tell Aaron Barry's personality, this 21-year-old lad who celebrates his birthday today? Yeah, well, I can certainly tell him the vibration he's come in on. Um, with the 22s, he's most definitely a, a sensitive soul and someone who feels things on a deep level. He definitely needs to have order and structure in his life. Um, but when I add his date of birth together, it comes to the number nine. So that would tell me that um, th- that young man is a nine life path. So I don't know if he's interested in music or the arts or theatre. Um, probably good at creating. He might be interested in the engineering or sciences, but he's definitely somebody, someone that feels on a deep level. And probably the greatest lesson for him would be to learn when something is past its sell-by date. Surrender. Let go. Don't hoard things. <laughs> he sounds like That's a lovely lad. Can you do the does. same with the psychopath or a, a mass murderer kind of thing on the date that they were well, born? Is that significant yeah. to their life path? Um, oh yeah, I, I mean, I believe everyone comes in with choice, and um, what we tend, what we do, choose to do within a lifetime, it, you know, it can also be very much can do to conditioning and and in the life you come into. But you always have choice and free will and how you react and respond to life. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you can look for the good and not so good. But I look at everything, and uh, there's no judgment. It's just to help people to know themselves better. That's really what my work's about. Yeah, I don't know if you remember. You're probably not old enough to remember. Seven minutes past seven on the seventh of the seventh seventy-seven. That was an incredibly day because seven's <laughs> a lucky number, and I remember exactly <laughs> what I was doing, where I was on the seventh of July seventy-seven at seven minutes past seven. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? It is, it is. And, and when numbers are repeated, I mean, they're everywhere. Like from the moment you arrive in, we're, we're measured, we're weighed, um, we're, we're, we're given a name which has a significance because every letter of your name has yeah. a number attached to it. Yeah. So everything ultimately is one. In what it's way? It's really so, so therefore, like every number, every uh, date of birth has an understanding behind it. So again, it's a bit like Shakespeare said, to thine own self be true. So when you really learn to know who you are, who, how you can be the best version of yourself, then you can really apply that to life. And it does have a ripple effect. So therefore, living the best life is, is for me, the best version of yourself. And is, it today, is today a good day for analysis and rebooting or reflection, like at 22 minutes it past is. 10 tonight, maybe? It is. surely is. I mean, people all over the world are meditating today for peace and harmony. And that's what we're looking for, isn't it, in life, ultimately. Yeah. And very much around, um, I feel today is a great day to manifest, to really sit with what, what you want to create in your life. Because when you have all those twos, and we're also in a number six year, because tw- 2022 adds to a six, and the number six in numerology is about universal love. And it's all about connection community coming together to support each other that's what today is about and tell me today are you are you a believer yeah. in manifestation that that you can oh, will and wish 100%. things in? <laughs> you Absolutely. laugh there as if you've had experience that have worked have worked is that right i i i really truly i believe i walk my talk and i totally live on that that what i put out will come back to me and it's not from fear by the way it's in a loving way and i absolutely 100% agree 
what you give your attention to, you will draw to you. It is a law of the universe. How like? Is it that, is that magnetic matrix that we're all in or something, is it? Yes, it is. It, it is. It sounds like Star Trek, doesn't it? But it really is because we really are energy beings in an energy universe. So what we're doing is what you're putting out is like a magnet. You're, you're sending it out there. And the more attention we give to something, the more we will bring in. So will it always happen? Time. Will there always be success? Of course, if you want it to be, it's about your mindset and your heart set. It really is. I'm not yes, talking about consumerism now or greed. I mean, do you include all of that in manifestations as well? Well, yes, I do. Because <laughs> when you give attention to something, you will draw it to you. So if, if one is in a place where they just want to you know, achieve, not caring how they get to that place, yeah. tramping on people, etc. Therefore, what you're doing is you are, you're putting your energy into it and you're creating the fact. Now, I'm not airy-fairy. Of course, people go through hard times. We've all gone through it in our lives. But ultimately, you have a choice, too, to decide, okay, I'm going to make a change here, and it begins with you. Yeah, when you drill it right down, it's making the choice between negativity and positivity, isn't it? Yes, it is. And also recognising that you have the power within you. A lot of the time, society suggests we give our power away other people but when you bring it back to self to the I am you're beginning your journey of self-discovery you can do anything and it I takes, mean yeah, it, takes it takes years though you know doesn't it to build up that kind of confidence to say how you feel think how you feel um, say no more often you know those kind of confidences uh-huh. they're hard learned aren't they or how about saying yes saying yes to everything. No, but I'm talking about not not always wanting to be a people pleaser, not always wanting to disappoint, Mm -hmm. you know, disagreeing with something when you really want to disagree, but not, you know? Again, it is really about choice of words and how you perceive things. So, you know, it's said that if two people witness something, usually they can describe situations totally different because it's coming from their own mind and heart set. So, For me as a numerologist, I help people to really tap into their potentiality. That's what today is about too. Like what can you do or be or tap into that can create a new way of being? That's what it's all about. It's it's actually quite simple. It's not that difficult. Good for you. Listen, I'm glad we caught up today on the 22nd Uh, of the 2nd, 22, and the significance of the day. People want to get in touch with you. I guess they can do so on a Google search or is there a faster way? Sure. Um, I have a website, Numbers for Success. It's the number four in the middle, numbersforsuccess.com. Good luck Or on that. Instagram or Facebook. Lovely chatting with you, Grania. Thanks Lovely so much for taking you. the time. All the best. Thank you. Numbers Bye-bye. for Success, as in the number four dot com. Lines are open. Get in touch. Text 0868104106. A happy birthday as well to Kevin O'Connor from Fremont. 22 today, 22 on the... 22nd of the second 22. That's amazing. That's another two, 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 two. I got to stop. It brings out the child in me. Thank you for making the Neil Prendiville Show the most listened to talk show in Cork again. Cork's Red FM. Hi, a very busy morning. I want to just drill into our Trabalgan giveaways. It's day two. Free three-night self-catering weekend breaks to give away. It's for the weekend of April 1st for frontline workers and their families. And I'm not only talking about those in healthcare facilities, anybody in the frontline in recognition of all of the hard work done over the last two years. So these are fantastic self-catering weekends and the beautiful homes down there and you can bring all of the family and guests and you'll all be treated to entertainment right across that weekend 
access to the this is all complimentary incidentally to the subtropical pool paradise the children's play area so make sure you're bringing kids with you access to the newly opened beach incredible nature trails and walks 140, 140 acres down there in, in Trabogan my name's Mary I'm emailing to nominate my boyfriend Jason Hooley frontline in the CUH he's worked through the whole pandemic from start to present he's the most hard working person I know constantly picking up extra shifts to cover people who would have been out sick he's a porter in the CUH and works 12 days in a row sometimes to cover ours. He hasn't been out sick once through the pandemic. He deserves more than I can give him sometimes and I'd love for him to be recognised for the hard work he does. Everyone who worked through the pandemic deserves uh, more than they've been given. So I nominate him for the hard-working, determined and consistent help that he's given others, says Mary, about her boyfriend, Jason Hooley. I'd like to nominate my work colleague and friend, Erica Kiley, uh, for the catering weekend, self-catering and Trabog. And Erica worked directly with COVID patients in the COVID intensive care unit at the CUH, married with two young children. I remember when Erica made the decision to move out of her own house to keep her family safe. She didn't get to see her children for months. She would FaceTime them daily. I know this was extremely difficult for her, but she fulfilled her duty as a nurse by caring for the sickest people in the country at the time, says Jane. Uh, and there are many, many more of those. Here's one or two more. Nominate for a family at uh, Holiday in Trebogan, my mother Alice. She worked as a healthcare assistant in a nursing home for more than 15 years. Worked amazingly through the whole pandemic, putting others before herself. She's been a carer for my brother, also who had a physical disability. He sadly passed away in 2014. Uh, she currently is a carer for my uncle, who has an intellectual disability, living in Kilkenny. Oh, she deserves a break to acknowledge her amazing contributions, says Ashling. Kevin Lynch works in the CUH mortuary, uh, tending, caring, tenderly caring for those who have passed away. He works in extremely difficult situations before and during the pandemic. People often forget these frontline workers uh, that we couldn't do without and who... It's a very high, very high risk position for many of them. Kevin and his family also took part in a fundraising event around his son Oliver, who raised over thirty thousand euro for three Cork charities. I know throughout the pandemic, the Lynch family were very nervous of Kevin's high risk job and having a very vulnerable child at home. They're amazing. Please look after Kevin Lynch working in the CUH mortuary. Eleanor Cullinan of Mallow Social Services is a frontline worker, hero too. I can testify that she kept the Mallow meals and wheels going through the pandemic. Also as a volunteer, she's put in some very long days. Half eight in the morning, often staying until well after six. I'm in the building next to her and I observed her quietly working away. The dedication was beyond belief. This Christmas, she even delivered meals on Christmas Day. Nobody knows... Uh, and she does it because she knows people will go hungry otherwise. Even the recent storm, Eleanor organized deliveries in the evening instead of during the day at very short notice. And that's from Yvonne. My husband worked through the pandemic, no break, barely any time off. Uh, Limerick University Hospital, he went from there to private nursing. Uh, and now in the last year in the Mercy. He's always there, ready to take up extra shifts if needed. He did everything he could to make sure that those in his care were looked after, says Joanna. So I'll leave it at that for now and get to cause instead. Now, um, this is interesting because I think we have both um, ma'am and daughter lined up here. So let's just chat to uh, Emma. Good morning. Wait a second. There you are. Emma. Yes. Hi. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Now, um, Emma is mum, right? That's right, yeah. And that makes uh, Anna daughter. Anna, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well done. Your mammy is in it. You, Emma... Emma, you did the nominating of your daughter, Anna. Why? I did, because 
Uh, Anna is, she's a re- first of all, she's a really hard worker. And second, now, she's that type of a girl that, a person that she'll take her last and give to you. You know, anyone who knows her, they tell exactly about her. Okay. She you, helps everyone. You said she worked nonstop during the pandemic. What was she doing? Or what is she doing? I'm a deli manager in Hurley Centre on Albert Plunkett Street. Oh, it would have been full on there. <laughs> full on. It's, yeah, busy, busy place. Never closed. Yeah. No, even literally, I didn't stop a single day. I say working. Is that an early? Was that an early start for you, Anna? Um, there's six a.m. starts every morning. Oh my God! What are you doing in there? Five or half five, six o'clock in the morning. Getting ready to cook the food for the customers. The hot food. The hot food, the bakery, the salad bar, everything, because the shop's open at seven, so we have everything ready for... Yeah, you had all of the sanitising going on and people coming in without masks and everything like that, and you had to try and coax them and be kind to them, and oh, my God. Uh, You do, you do. I mean, you get some customers. I feel like the pandemic is after making some people very narky, if that's the word. Like, very rude, but you just have to get on with it, you know? Oh, listen, we've all seen the videos. I'm sure you could write a book on it. Oh, 100% you could. Yeah, yeah. Um, Emma, you were telling me a couple about a couple of incidents that Anna intervened in. Talk about that. Yes. Well, there was one, um, it was last year, uh, it was in June, you know, when the whole city went mad and partying by the harbour. Yeah. You can actually see the picture, Anna was pictured with two of her friends cleaning up the harbour with the bags themselves <laughs> and they were compared to Dublin which the police was standing the guards were standing outside the mad crowd and the cork Anna and her friends with the bags cleaning the harbour what were you like, cleaning Anna was it the rubbish and the bottles and the cans and stuff? <laughs> yeah yeah I mean like there was you know all the teenagers and everyone was drinking down there I mean the absolute condition of the place it was like a pigsty and you just so did said, this off your own back you and your pals yeah, of course, why not? Like, we were just sitting down there anyway doing nothing. So just said we'd just give each other, give, give everyone a hand. Like. And tell me about the lad that you met that you stayed with for 40 minutes. Oh, it's a very touchy subject, I'm not going to lie. Um, I mean, I was on my way to work one morning and I came across a man sitting down on a bridge. I won't go too much into detail, but he wasn't... He, he wasn't, wasn't in a good there. place. Yeah. Um, I stayed with him for around 30, 40 minutes, talked um, into kind of deep conversations and stuff. I mean, like I was on my own. It was dark. It was scary. I'd never been in a situation like it before. But I was happy enough that like, he changed his mind. And till this day, we actually we were in contact with each other. Isn't that amazing? Because, you know, you you chose to stop and you chose to talk to him. As opposed to walking to by and minding. I had to. I mean, like, I couldn't just walk past. It just, it didn't look right. And he just, he didn't look okay either. So you stopped and chatted with them and that made all the difference. Yeah. And it's lovely that you're still, are you, is he in a better place now? It's lovely that you're still chatting. Uh, he's getting the help he needs. So, you know, he's, he's on the right road anyway. He's okay. On the right okay. Path. And your hard work and your kindness to people, does that come from your mam, do you think? Oh, she's laughing. Yeah, I'd say so, 100%. Yeah, she's a very hard worker herself. She's always doing everything she can best for her kids, her family, her friends, everyone. See, you're not too bad yourself, Emma. 
Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> it's all in the guys. It's all in the rearing. Listen, I'm delighted to have heard your story. Um, well done on all of the hard work. Do stay listening, both of you, all right? Okay. Thank okay. you so Cheers. much. Well Thank done. You. Thank you both. Let me just get stuck back into another couple here, clear these lines. I should have Maria Lynch here. Maria, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm great. Tell us about uh, Gavin and Chloe. Gavin and Chloe. Don't forget Chloe. <laughs> Um, well, I suppose um, Gavin works in security. So he was working when Parky Creeve was the test centre, so right at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and Gavin has an underlying condition himself, so technically he shouldn't have been working at all. But he, you know, he was kind of saying, we need the staff, we need done so. And he would have been one of the first people who would greet you when you were driving in. And you know, certainly, like when you were going into a test centre oh, I was beginning. down there it's yeah I was down there scariest yeah, yeah. scariest thing in the world everybody's in their PPE or nobody was used to seeing anybody wearing it yeah it was it was so quiet and so yeah. ice. it felt like a different planet like as if the you know when you're down there like as if the world had paused you know it's like something out of a movie. And you're following instructions and you're moving along a line and everything is like... Yeah. People were very kind, but it was very military, you know? It was really efficient. Yeah, and it was. And but the thing was, like, a lot of people were lovely and they were fine. A lot of people were scared. And, you know, I, I know for myself when I'm scared, I, I get a little bit... Um, Anxious, and when I'm anxious, and there I were get anxious people there. <laughs> 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 but I do like. You go I guess, from scared I guess, to you know, anxious to full blown cross. <laughs> but I do because well, when I'm anxious, I need to know what's going on, and then if I don't know what's going on, I'm kind of going, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! What if they ask me something?" <laughs> Making me anxious and now. I do, but I do, yeah. But you can imagine you're sitting there then on your own, and you're going in, and you're thinking all of this, and someone asks you something you weren't prepared for, and it's like, "What do you mean? No! How dare you ask me that?" And all he could have asked me for was my phone number to confirm me. But I, and that's. Just I hope me. you don't work in customer service, <laughs> do you know? Uh, 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 I work in the vaccine centre. Oh God! <laughs> At the weekend, vaccine centre. But, but anyway, what, what we want to know about about Gavin is that he has he's the more soothing, calm side of the family, is he? Yeah, um, unless you're having an argument with him because he's the calmest person in the world. It's not great to have an argument with, like. But anyway, we'll talk about that part. But the test centre party then and uh, it became the vaccine centre. And then my daughter started working down in Parky Creeve in the vaccine centre and Gavin was in City Hall and he was in the vaccine centre in City Hall. Um, and it just, that's a whole new ball game. You You're breaking up on me. It's very unfortunate. Just move around there a little bit. And I think Gavin had a, has an underlying condition. So he was in, he was in dangerous territory anyway, wasn't he? Sorry, just going through the room. Now, can you hear me better now? Yeah, I got you. Go on, yeah. yeah. Super. So, um, like with the test centre, everyone is in their cars, they're driving through and then they're gone again. But with the vaccine centre, you're you're walking, you're standing in a queue, you're waiting, and sometimes at the, the height of it you were waiting, an hour and a half, two hours, to get your vaccine. And Gavin and Chloe, they would have been the first people you got to talk to. And... 
Forgot about, forgot about Chloe. Chloe's working in the, through the pandemic and security as well at the same test centre as her dad. She is. Yeah. She is. And she, well, no, she went to Parker Creek. So I know, but you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, she is. And she's actually doing her leaving search as well. So um, so she's, she's, she's pulling a blinder at the moment. But they, like, Chloe's very like her dad. Very like her dad. She's the same calming influence with her, you know, with him. And... People are coming up and they're irate and they don't understand why I'm, you know, I'm only three days away from my time. Why can't I get my vaccine today? And, you know, are, are you you're three days. Like only you're three days too yeah. early, that's why. Yeah, but, you know, I understand you're three days too early because the doctors and nurses inside have told me you're three days too early, you can't come in legally, they can't do it. You don't get it. You don't know what the difference in a day is or... Yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah, like, like, yeah, I'm here now. I'm here now. Just give it to me. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. And you're anxious. You want to get it done. I need it done. I need it done. I don't want to catch COVID. And it'd be my fault. It, you know, it's your fault if I catch oh, COVID I between imagine. now and tomorrow. I know. I you know, imagine. or or they're asking you like, um, you know, what's going to happen when I get this vaccine? You know, am I going to get sick? Am I going to do it? And you, you, you're kind of going, I, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. You can ask the doctors and nurses oh, inside I know, and yeah, get someone I know. to help you. Yeah. And, or you have your anti-vax protesters coming up and they're, they're calling every name under the sun and they are roaring and shouting and telling you that you're killing children and you're killing the nation and you personally are doing all of this. And, Thank God. You know, I and, hope to God we never have to go back to any of that again. Oh, it's Amazing. Yeah, amazing. Well really done to Gavin and like Chloe. Listen, well done to both of them. I'm going to move on because a lot of other calls, but you just we went through that so powerfully. And thank you for it, Marie, on behalf of uh, of Gavin and, and Chloe and the work that they do. Brenda, good morning. Good morning. I just want to get you? as many as I can on if I can. So your daughter, Sinead, yeah. tell us a little bit about her. Yeah, Sinead. Sinead is, um, she's a very hardworking caring person. She works in the um, Cation right in the Buns. Yeah, what would they be doing in the hospitals without their food? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and she is very, um, very helpful to the families. You know, she, she understands she's in the, um, she's in the cancer ward, you know, and on the weekends, she does long weekends, you know, um, seven to seven, um, on a Saturday and a Sunday. Um, she works during the week and, um, you know, Sinead got married in uh, 2018, June 2018, and on 2019, uh, 2019, her husband was diagnosed with cancer. Oh. She worked right through the pandemic. She worked in the cancer ward. She understood, you know, the people. And she never, ever put her story to the other people. You know, there was people telling them their stories. And she'd come home and she'd say, you know, ma'am, such a person was so sick today. And then I'd say, and did you tell him about your husband? She'd say... No, because they needed to talk. Isn't that you know? amazing? Thank yes, you. That's yeah, all in yeah. the rearing, though, Brenda, you know? And she, you know, she um, she worked, you know, she did all extra hours and still coming home to her husband now is having chemo. Go away. And how is and he now? Just, how is he? Do you mind me asking? He's doing, he's doing very well, you know. Um, disappointed today, he was uh, he was supposed to go have surgery today again, you know, um, and it was cancelled. You see, you know? this, is, um, this is all the consequences yeah. of what we've been through, isn't it? Yes, a, a big letdown, you know, but, you know, he's very, he have a, he's in a good head, head place, you know, he's, he's a very positive person, you know, he, all he keeps saying is, I, I, I'll get back to work, you know, he's a young man, very young man, and he keeps saying, I get back to work, they had a three-year-old son, yeah. he in, 
And, you know, he, he just lives for her and Kian. He's, he's a very, very good man. And you live you know? for his 100% total he, recovery, yes. yeah. yeah. Yes, and, you know, she, she's his backbone. She pushes him and she pushes the doctors. She is so, so good and so caring, you know. And still, she's a very soft heart. Well, you know? that's, that's, that, very that means she must really me. love her work then. She loves her work. She loves her work. Yeah. But she has a soft heart that she can be very strong. You know, I don't know how she copes, to be quite honest. I don't know how she copes. You know, some days, you know, they get, you know, you, you know yourself, you get good days, you get bad days, you get up and you get down. And, you know, every time, in fairness, he's, he's really had a rough two and a half time, years with it, but he always came back. Yeah, you know, I know. And how do you, how do you manage through all of this as a mother? Because you, you know you try and help oh, as I, best I you can. I worry for her. I worry for her. But you know, I I I help her. You know, and and I just you know, and I I you know, I just kind of trust the man above. To be quite honest, yeah. I just say, look, you know, I I explain to her it's it's not money. If money could fix him, that would be there. You know, we we would sort that out. You know, we have a good family. You know, and. Um, We've got, you know, her aunts, her uncles, everybody is, you know, everyone is praying for them and and wants them to get well. And, you know, we just said it's it's the man above's choice, you know. I know, I know. And, uh, you know, it's it's acceptance. We have to accept this for today. And uh, we were disappointed that this was cancelled, you know, for today. But hopefully it will be done this week. Oh, well, that's no, something it, it, at least. At least it hasn't been put back and you haven't got no date at no, all. No, they gave, they gave hope again. You know, they gave hope they will ring again this week and hopefully it'll be done this week because okay. he just wants done and he wants to get well. And, of course he does. You know, it's hard. Life, yeah, and, you know, it's hard because, you know, as they say, she sees it all in work and she come home and she have it at home. But he is a very, he's a very good man, you know, and... Undoubtedly, and, and she's a she's a great girl as well. She, she has all her issues that she leaves outside the door and deals with the she, patients she who are there. She, yeah. And she goes in then, and she, that's what she says. She says, "Ma'am, I have to go in there because she said, you know, they were in the pandemic. There was they were short so much staff, you know. And she just said, I need to be in there as well. And and you know, it's for her good for her head as well. I know, I know, was, I know. She was thinking of other people. Yeah. You know, I hope that Sinead gets to hear having, the yeah. I hope yeah, that she gets to hear the kind of words you said about her. Still having a very very sick husband at home at the time, you know. I know. But look, today they're coping. They're they're doing very well. It was just you know uh, very sad that you know that just a year married and uh, and we were forty years married on that August and we were having you know a family get together. Just um, I I have nine grandchildren and my family were. To Vienna Woods for us, you know, and um, that was put off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yes, yes, because yeah. it was uh, the twenty fourth of August would have been our. I know. We're not know. going to the the Vienna Woods, but um, on the twenty third, he really got very bad news that time, you know, and it was kind of give us, you know, but Vienna Woods were very kind about it too because we said we celebrate. You know, another day. Yes, when and he's we will. fit and, and healthy too, you know, well, and, and the operations yes. behind him. Absolutely, all yes. right. And we will do that too, you know. So okay. um, she's a very strong, and we are very proud of Sinead, you know, very, very proud. Uh, well, that comes across very much, and of course, she, if she hears this, will know how proud you are of her as a mother. Thanks, Brenda. Appreciate it telling us about Sinead uh, Sheehan. Uh, Stephen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Okay, you got a buddy called Mark McCarthy, or is it him or the entire family, or what? Yep, so basically, uh, it's Mark and his entire family, so... Mark now is in the Defence Forces, yeah. so he's been he's been in there for the last 15 years or so, 16 years. So, yeah, look, when everything went down, 
they were being, didn't know where they were standing, whether it be mobilised, whatever. So once things kind of got rolling, then he was in the vaccination centres, he was in the test centres, you know, controlling everything. And uh, on top of that, then his sister Susan basically just came out of college and just finished her nursing degree, whatever you would like to call it. And she started in the Mercy just as all this was kicking off. So she had to deal with that right out of the gate. And then even further on from that, their mother Mary works out here in Ballincollig in uh, one of the old people's homes as a carer. Mm. So, oh, it's the whole family, so yeah. So, whole family right across the board, so there's three of them all living together. And as well as that, then they have Mark and Susan are single parents, so Mark is the son, Susan has a daughter. Yeah. So, for the last two years, it's been non-stop and the whole family is just... He's in Park Cueve, she's nursing in the Mercy, the mother Mary exactly. is in a care home, the guy, exactly. it's all COVID-related, yeah. yeah. Exactly, like, and like, especially the mother Mary there, you know, care home workers, it's a thankless job at the best of times, but, and these poor people now were completely isolated. Well, her mother was looking family. after the people who were, as you said yourself, the highest risk in our society, totally exactly. cut off from their families at the time, as you recall. Exactly, and like, down there and that that's a hard job you know, and especially when they don't have their own support network coming in and helping out and stuff like that it's all on them yeah so yeah, yeah the whole family is amazing for the last two years so the entire so, family the entire McCarthy family if you like were dedicated to helping people through COVID yeah exactly yeah amazing they were there the whole time so yeah it's amazing and it, it was never something they bragged about or anything but I just what to give a bit of recognition you know well done it well done thank you and listen you got straight to the point and that's what I like thank you for that <laughs> cheers Stephen well done to all, all right. of them take care of yourself we'll come back after the break another one or two of these just after these calling Red FM studio call the new number 0818 ah yeah love to dominate my daughter Louise and her family for the holiday break in Trabogan she doesn't know I'm emailing at this she'd be embarrassed and would kill me her dedication during COVID was above and beyond she's been one of the constants in nursing in the emergency department of the CUH many is the night in the height of the pandemic did I witness her crying over people dying with no family with them she and her colleagues held their hands on their behalf and cried just as hard as they would have Uh, My other daughter, Sarah, is also a nurse in the ED. And I mean this, no one will ever know how much they went through in the pandemic. Only the staff of the hospitals, the patients and the families who suffered and also the families of the frontline workers will actually ever know. My daughter saw it as part of her duty of care as a nurse, but as her mother, it made me so proud of her. It's just an example of the everyday care they give. Also, I must add how much joy it brings to the frontline staff when their efforts are appreciated. So thank you for that. That's a lovely one on behalf of our daughter, Louise. Um, I want to nominate my daughter, who is a teacher. The teacher bashing that went on during the pandemic was awful. During the lockdown, she was up at six o'clock getting ready for her online classes and was still advising and emailing her students at 8 p.m. in the evening. Her students love her due to her passion for teaching. Uh, and that's from Eilish. You don't tell me your daughter's name, unfortunately, though, in the rush, I suppose, you just left it out. Uh, to the phone lines, we go. Pamela, good morning. Good morning, how are you? So, Joanna and Heidi Toomey, are they friends of yours? They would be, um, my, Joanna would go by Noreen normally. She's my stepmom and Heidi would be my stepsister. Okay, so, all right. So, okay, yeah. family connection. Tell me about them. Um, both of them are carers in nursing homes, two different nursing homes, and have been doing it for a long time in history. You need to move around here. there. Um, are we off digital or are we analog? Sorry, just move around. The phone lines aren't great. There we go. Is that better? Yeah, let's see. Yep. How about that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, so, yeah, both of them are um, carers in nursing homes and two different nursing homes, and they've done it pretty much all their life, the two of them, and Noreen's dad was a carer as well. So they're well in the family with doing that. Um, but last February, I suppose COVID was really getting serious, what we, what we knew of it, and Noreen got COVID. So she was out, um, out of work and whatnot, as you do, and she got it from the from from caring for COVID patients. So they were both working on the COVID wards for a long, long time. And um, and then come June, we had a family tragedy where we lost our little niece. So that took a huge toll on the family completely. And um, she was only a little baba. So that was uh, very so hard sad. on all of us. Yeah, yeah it, it was. It yeah. was. It was tragic. It was very hard on all of us. Yeah. And um, so they both went back to work and have gone through what they went through last summer and to go back to work, to go back into the COVID wards in full PPE gear, to have to sit with patients, to have to ring family members to tell them that somebody else had passed away. And thank God, not many did, but a lot of people did pass from COVID in their nursing homes. And they had to go through all that. And do you know if do you know if they were are you do you know if they were helped with those phone calls as to what to say and how to say it? I don't know. Um, I haven't asked the question. I presume they have been helped at some stage, but I, I haven't asked the question. I think we had so much going on. And was it were they were they calling families of um, nursing home residents? Was it? Yeah, yeah. They're both in nursing homes, and so they would have had to. And you know, they'd have to meet the families and greet the families. And I suppose when we're in a small town as well, so a lot of people would know different fam- families in there. Do you know, when you walk down the street, you'd know oh, her daughter is in or her I know. mother is it in. It was daughter, personal, you know? yeah, so I know. Very personal. And then about, God, about maybe four or five weeks ago, poor Heidi came down with COVID and she got very, very sick. And again, she was on the COVID ward, you know, and you'd hear the stories and you'd see the photographs of their head-to-toe in PPE gear. And they're still having to do all of this while dealing with huge emotional problems family problems that happened, you know. I mean, I take my hat off to anybody that for two years went into work and did eight or ten hour shifts in PPE gear and and has suits. full PPE gear, yeah. I mean, it's not easy. The rest of us then, the rest of us then, me included, saying, God, I can't get used to these masks. I mean, think of what some people were wearing. And they have the big heavy masks on and then they have the the face visors over and they have the gloves and two and three sets of gloves. So the gloves go on first, then you have your PPE gear and another glove and another glove into it. And you have to sit with these patients and they wouldn't change it for the world. This is their livelihood. This is what they've done. This is their passion and they will always do this. And they just do it with a smile on the face no matter what is put in front of them. And they've had, do you know when you see a family and you kind of go, they need a break. This family just needs goodness to happen. And these two women particularly need a lot of goodness to happen. You know, you can't, you can't, there aren't prizes for everybody, but there is opportunities no. for people to share stories of people who need to be recognised and said, you know, you did good. And that's a wonderful yeah. thing about this. Not everybody's going to win a weekend away or whatever, but at least we'll hear their stories. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, definitely. And everyone has a story. And it, some are worse than others, some are better than others, but... Everybody needs just a big applause for what they have done. I agree with you. I agree with you. Thank you so much for that, Pamela, on behalf of Joanna and Heidi. I'd like to nominate Brian Kelleher. This is an interesting one because Brian worked for a nursing home in the north side during lockdown when visiting wasn't permitted. And he built a shelter that could be moved outside a patient's room 
for when people were visiting. So Brian Keller built that shelter. It was a mobile shelter. It had an intercom on it so visitors could sit outside and see their loved ones and communicate. He also built an amazing sweets trolley for the residents to go outside. Um, there was even an article in the Echo about him, Brian Kelleher. He did this off his own bat and I've known him all my life. He'll help anyone in need and never look for recognition or compensation. I'd love if he was recognised. He deserves a gold medal. Well, it certainly deserves to be told the story of Brian Kelleher and the work that he's done off his own back as, bat, as you say, for no recognition and no compensation. He just got on with it. Here's another fast one for you. Emer, good morning. Hi, morning. How are you? Your ma'am is Barbara O'Sullivan. You're very pr- proud of her. Is that right? Oh, I'm tremendously proud of her. I've always been, but like, especially over the past two years, I mean, how could you not, you know? And did she, like, I know she works in the the University Hospital Limerick, but does she commute to and from there or what? Is she in Cork? Uh, She does, yeah. So we're from North Cork, so she commutes there and back a couple of days a week. So quite a long day, you know, especially when you're doing 12 hours already. In the, in the hospital. Oh, yeah. you'd be you'd be at risk of falling asleep at the wheel. In fairness, uh, I know. Yeah, but sure, she loved doing it. She had, like, I mean, even if she could, you know, have somewhere else to work, she she wouldn't change it for the world. She loves the commute. She loves the job she does and the people she meets as well. It's she just, was yeah. She may love the job, but it was a challenging job to be in a hospital during. Yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. Like I don't know how she did it. To be honest, like I couldn't personally do it, and I know it takes a lot. Like, you have to be the right type of person for that job. You and, know, and during all of this, your granddad, her dad, came down with cancer, is it? Yeah, so he was diagnosed, I think. It was uh, just before kind of COVID had started, but it really kind of, um, like, it, it was things were looking well for a while, but unfortunately things just took a really sharp turn there. It was kind of like the latter half of last year, and just progressively things got worse and worse. And yeah, we were unfortunate to lose him just before Christmas last year. Oh, that's sad. That's sad, you know. And, uh, of course, the circumstances then regarding the funeral must have been different, difficult, and the mass and the church and everything. It was all yeah, limited, it was wasn't a, it? Yeah. yeah, it was. It was a very strange experience. Um, I, I can't really describe it, to be honest. It's something just very surreal, I guess. Mm-hmm. Are you in healthcare yourself then, or is that something that's the exclusively um, I am, but mom? I'm actually... Yeah, I'm in healthcare, but I'm more on the admin side, so I'm a clerical officer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So those in the front line, of course, you would know full well because your mother went through it. Yeah, exactly. Like I was in CUH for a while, all right, and that was kind of more at the, the very height of COVID. So I did see, you know, people coming in and out of the hospital every day. And it was it was a very strange atmosphere, not something you'd want to really enter into if you didn't have to. I know. But I, know, um, I, know. I have to applaud the people who are really, you know, on the front line, the people who are like experiencing COVID you know, face to face every single day, and yeah, as as everybody's been saying, you know, people in the PPE gear and everything. I don't know how they do it. It's just, and yeah, for my mom to go in, I I really have to applaud her. I mean, she's nearly six years of age, and she's still going in day in day out. I, ex- excuse me, sixty is very young. Uh, yeah, but you know, 60, I mean, it's, it's, sixty is the new forty, <laughs> or sixty is the new thirty-five, I believe. <laughs> yes, I've heard this. Yeah, yeah. Don't be writing. Cases. Don't be writing us off. Do you hear me? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> All right, so well done to you and well done to your man, Barbara. Thanks for sharing, Emer. Well said. Oh, thank you so much for having me. All the best. Back after the break. Get involved in this conversation because we have holiday breaks to give away. Three nights of catering breaks. Uh, for, and it's the weekend of April 1st. You bring you and your family and bring kids and whomever you want down to Trebogan. It's all there awaiting. Text 0868104106. Email neil at redfm.ie. Tell me their story. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. Pick up the phone. Get involved in the conversation. Um, certainly by text for our Trebogan giveaways. 0868104106. Or by email to neil at redfm.ie. I'm seeing loads more emails coming in and I'll drill back into them again tomorrow. Um, yeah, I'm going to tell you, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give away two today. I'm going to give away two today because I was very impressed by, I'm very impressed with every single story. But I, I like I like the fact that we kind of got, um, you know, frontline workers happening in, in hospital settings and then also people who are doing an awful lot of frontline work outside of hospital settings, but also very important over the last couple of years. What I'm saying to you is that Emma nominated her daughter, Anna, who worked in Centra and had a 5.30 a.m. start every morning and was dealing with the public, getting the hot food ready and being there and people were coming in and all sorts of different emotions going on. So I want to reward her. I hope you got a big family and all sorts of, uh, you know, uh, age groups that can all go down and uh, do one of the self-catering um, homes down in Trebogan for a three-night break. Well done to you, Emma. And also, well do- sorry, well done to you, Emma, for nominating your daughter, Anna. And Anna, well done for helping that young man who was struggling on the bridge because you literally saved his life. And also, that lovely story, Brenda, who nominated her daughter, Sinead. Um, and Sinead's husband is going through cancer treatment at the moment. You might recall that call and the uh, operation was cancelled for today. I think it will be a lovely thing. And, you know, Brenda uh, worked away. She was working in the... Brenda nominated her daughter Sinead. Sinead works in the bonds during the pandemic and had her own cancer issues going on with her husband but was dealing with cancer patients all through this. I think that's a wonderful thing and I think a family break for you and bring ma'am and many of the families you can down to Duboggan. It'd be a nice breakaway for you and the family and your husband and then he can come back and get the operation and hopefully all will be well. So we have three nights self-catering breaks to give away on April, the weekend of April 1st for those who went the distance during COVID and in recognition of that we have these weekend breaks to give away courtesy of ourselves and Trebogan. So share your story. At this stage, um, email is probably the best because it's faster for you if you've got a story to share. Email neil at uh, redfm.ie. One or two more before we go. Sorry to hear about that guy's bike being stolen. My partner's car was broken into last night also in Carrigaline, called the guards. They said 10 other cars in Carrigaline were broken into as well last night. You see, I'm not making it up when I tell you that it's gone crazy with regards to break-ins and robberies. So be careful, particularly with regards to your property outside the door, whether that's a car or indeed a bike. Our lines will stay open. Get involved in the conversation. Text 0868104106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.